Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. So another another one leaves us to go to that enormous variety show, which they are obviously planning in the heavens. Prince, at the age of just 57. Princess Anne is topless in the papers today. It comes as a bit of a shock to many people. Uh, I have to tell you, it's not quite as exciting as you maybe think it is. Uh, Victoria's uh, secret, which was the fact that she had cancer, was so secret, she never told her brother. And uh, I'm assuming because she was a very private person, she'd have been horrified when he pitched up on television the other day. Uh, the sex romp star who waits to hear the fate over the court gag. Breakthrough in the fight to cure diabetes. The reclusive singer who's worth more than Adele. What does your television say about you? And Diana Dawes' son, a wine theft at Waitrose, and some very bizarre claims. You couldn't make it up, I promise you. And, uh, and Prince Charles using that old mummy line again. You know, when he said, uh, Your Majesty, mummy. And the last time he did it, I think, was at her silver or golden jubilee. And she looked as though she was about to have him decapitated and thrown into the tower immediately. Because I don't think she's ever been called mummy in public before. But he, he, he used it and it got a good laugh last time and it got a good laugh this time round. Uh, Prince, I have to be honest, I never even liked Prince's music. I must be one of those people out on a limb. I used to hate Purple Rain and Paisley Park and all the rest of it. But I do remember when he came over here to collect an award. And it was at the Café Royal... And Prince was only five foot two, but his bodyguard looked like Man Mountain. I kid you not, this bloke looked like giant haystacks. And so they announce, and the winner is Prince. And he starts from the back of the room with his bodyguard, and he walks all the way through the crowd. He's trying to get through the tables. The bodyguard is trying to get through. And eventually, I mean, the applause had petered out. He gets to the stage. He stands in front of the microphone, and he goes, Thank you. And that was it. He then turned around and walked off the stage again. Well, the papers were full of it the next day. It was hilarious. Uh, it was said that when he left his hotel room in London, there were lots and lots of pairs of white pants all over the place. He wore white pants. I always thought he was just somewhat peculiar. I'm sure he was very innovative. It's funny, isn't it? When you, know, you get people who go, oh, he was this and he was that. And I never kind of saw it. I really never saw it. I was quite surprised he made the front pages of the papers over here. I wasn't sure what he was innovative in, but then if you're not a particular fan of somebody and you're not particularly bothered by the music, then why would you be that interested? So I thought he got amazing coverage over here. But 57, again, it's just they're just dying a bit too young, aren't they? They don't know whether or not he had some medical complaint. They'll probably find out about that a little bit nearer the time. But uh, for the moment, it's another funeral. It's just ridiculous. They think that the funeral for Victoria Wood will be a private affair, just with uh, close friends and family. Probably not the brother, I shouldn't think. I mean, if, if she didn't even tell her brother... What does that tell you about the relationship? I think he explained on television that she lived down in London and he lived up north and they didn't, uh, they didn't see each other very often. And you think to yourself, it's a bit, bit dreary, isn't it, when families start sort of drifting apart? Uh, what does your television say about you? Apparently, if you don't have a 65-inch on the wall, you might as well just give up and go home now because that television says more about you. And they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger and thinner and thinner and thinner. So uh, we'll wait and see what my television says about me. And the bizarre story of Diana Dawes' son. This is Jason Lake. And um, it's, it's a really bizarre story because I interviewed Jason some years ago, many, many years ago. Diana Dawes had died. If you remember, she died in uh, the Charing Cross Hospital. And I know that because... As I've told the story before, a friend of mine was also in the same hospital. The 13th floor there was the private wing. 
but you could walk round past people's bedroom windows if you had access to the private floor. And a friend of mine uh, was with Booper, so got private health care. And as I walked past one of the bedroom windows, you automatically look in, don't you? And Diana Dawes was in bed. I could see Diana. She was asleep, but she died in that hospital. Alan Lake... um, blew his brains out in uh, in the house that they had. The house was supposed to be the subject of orgies and all sorts of things that went on. There were two-way mirrors and everything else. But Jason, their son, who was a very cute little lad, uh, told me, because he'd written a book, and the house was sold after Diana Dawes had died and after Alan had died as well. And he went back there some years later, and he said the odd thing about the house was that nothing had changed. He said, our swimming costumes were still hanging in the pool room. He said, the ornaments were still in the... It was almost as if time had stood still in this house, even though somebody else had bought it. And I thought that was really bizarre. He went back to have a look around. They said, you know, come back. And it was all exactly the same as it was. You know, dressing gowns hanging on the back of doors and things like that. But he's made the papers today because of a, an incident uh, over shoplifting. And he's made some very bizarre claims. Now, I don't know whether or not he's going off the rails. I've got no idea. I'll, I'll read the story out to you a little bit later on. Uh, also, Britain's biggest ever gun haul. That's in the papers today. Another bunch of dozy criminals spending time in prison. In fact, spending quite a lot of time in prison. They're so stupid, honestly, these people. No such thing as a perfect crime, is there? If it's perfect, you're never going to hear about it. In the case of these people, somebody obviously tipped somebody off. They bought a boat for about £23,500 a year ago uh, by transferring the money from somebody else, so that immediately attracts attention. The moment you start transferring big sums of money around, I think the banks are duty-bound to say something to the police. It's like people who pay cash. You can't go in and buy a, a, a car nowadays for cash. They have to inform the police because you could be money laundering. In fact, there's probably a very good chance you probably are money laundering. And because uh, most people use a banker's draft. But in this particular case, they, they buy the boat and then they go abroad. So immediately the suspicions are aroused. The police start watching. And of course, they go abroad and they go and buy handguns and all sorts of guns, like 37 quid here, 40 quid there. And they started bragging about it. Unfortunately, the place where they moored their boat was in like a little marina. In a, in a particularly, you know, not a, not a particularly huge marina. It was a little bit out of the way. But it was enough for the police to set up their own little boat and their own little covert operation, whereby they just filmed them handling guns. I mean, they were so thick. They were so... De- they even called themselves gangsters. Now we've kind of arrived. Yep, you've arrived at the gates of your prison, where you're going to be sending the next number of years. And that's what... And you think to yourself, these people are so stupid. I mean, they really are just so dumb. All of that, your entire life collapses. You lose everything. You've shelled out this money. So not only have you lost that, but the whole, you know, shame of the family and everything. It's not even clever anymore, is it? Not even clever. You might think it's very odd that there's a little boy of, I think, four in the paper today who's uh, who's transgender. Well, his mother... Well, I mean, <sighs> this is this big old argument, isn't it? Do you really believe that a child of four thinks that they're a girl? She claims from 18 months old he wanted to be a girl. Now, I know that little boys play with dolls. I know that little boys dress up. But do they really know what sexuality is at the age of four years old? I mean, I think I was still struggling at about 22. No, in fact, I'm not too convinced even today that I know exactly what it's all about. But uh, at four years old, so she's allowed him to go to school dressed as a little girl. He has a, a sort of a twin brother. And it must be terribly confusing. And I'm not sure whether or not this is... You know, whether four is too young. I don't know what age it's supposed to be. I don't know enough about it. So I'm kind of fumbling in the dark. Uh, Esther Ranson says Victoria Wood should be made a dame. Shut up, Esther. Don't be so silly. She's dead. What's the point of that? Why didn't they give it to her while she was alive? 
You know, they always do these things afterwards. Oh, you know, Ronnie Corbett should have had a knighthood. Uh, well, they were thinking about it. No, quite clearly they weren't. Quite clearly they weren't. They could have they could have rushed something through quite easily. And in the case of Victoria Wood, I agree, she should have had a damehood. But when she was alive, what's the point of giving it to somebody when they're dead? How does that sell, solve anything? It doesn't. Absolutely doesn't. Uh, the man who thought he'd scoop ten grand in the paper, it turned out to be ten million. Another dim one, isn't it, really? I mean, how many zeros pop it? So one, two, three, four, five, six zeros. Oh, that'll be 10,000, then. I mean, really, where do these people come from? Uh, also, the last of the PG tips chimps dies. They came from Twycross Zoo, if memory serves, and uh, they would sit there and they would drink tea and sort of generally... They did what chimpanzees did, which is they, they generally sort of mucked about, but they made it look... We had uh, tea, Mr Shifter, and they would sort of... Then they dressed them up as removal men and all the rest of it, and uh, and it was lovely. It was lovely of its period. Nowadays, of course, we don't uh, we don't have things like that. We don't have performing chimpanzees on the television, but uh, I think Paul O'Grady's been to an orangutan rescue centre where he said, he said they just cling to you, and they might, but they're not human. The, 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 the question has come up in the papers today as to whether or not animals can raise humans. And, uh, and the idea is, I don't think they can. I seriously don't think they can. I think it's a very nice idea. But uh, can you imagine a group of tigers bringing up Mowgli? You know, here is Mowgli. Oh, look, it's lunch. Oh, la, la, la. Let's let him... Uh, because I remember there was a thing a short while ago. There's a lovely picture in the paper. And uh, what happens with... Um, is it monkjack deer? Uh, I think wherever they are out in the Serengeti, something like that. Anyway, when 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 they're born, their mothers leave them in the grass, and they stay down there. And mothers go away and sort of do what they have to. Then they come back and they feed them and all the rest of it. And uh, so there's this little monkjack deer or whatever it was in the grass, tiny little thing, and um, and a tiger comes across it, or a lion or something. Whatever it, I think it was a tiger, and um, and it sits down with it because tigers and lions will only chase prey. If it runs, they're not used to it sitting there waiting to be eaten. It doesn't it doesn't work like that. It's only if you run that they have to pursue you. That's their instinct. So, of course, it sits down with this deer who is like really going through the motions on this one. This is like, oh, my God, this thing is bigger than heaven and earth put together. And uh, and then every time the little deer gets up to try and move the. The tiger puts it back down again. And, it, and I wasn't sure. I think in the end, I don't think it had a happy ending. I don't think it had a happy ending. It was like that dreadful story. Remember some years ago, which was of a, a group of kids from a nice school who'd gone out camping in the outback. In, sorry, in the, one of the, the big national parks. And a lioness came looking for food. It's twice it's happened. Twice it's happened. The other time was with polar bears. They thought they'd put a, an electric fence around the camp. But the polar bears broke through it and attacked this kid. In the case of the lion, the lion got into the tent, and I don't know if you've ever seen lions close up, but their paws are roughly the size of, I don't know, a dinner plate. I mean, they're enormous. The pat, they're absolutely enormous. And when the claws are retracted, you know, they're big enough. When the claws are out, because they can cling onto the back of water buffalo. Anyway, this poor lad decided to run. And that was the big mistake, because you can't outrun a lion, and he didn't. And uh, and that, you think, must have been the most awful, awful ending for anybody. I think together, you know, that and drowning, you kind of feel just so helpless about it, don't you? So uh, the answer is, if you're sitting there in wood green at the moment and there's a lion sitting outside your front door, don't run, OK? Just sit there and stare it out. 
and then punch it. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, a lot of people talk about runners today. Apparently, there's uh, a group of runners who've complained bitterly. They've been working on a couple of big programmes, and they claim that they've been made to work 17-hour days. 17-hour days. And, um... Which is sort of, you know, that, but that's what runners are supposed to do. I've never heard of that in this building. We have runners on a lot of the programmes. They don't do 17-hour days. It just doesn't exist. You know, people come in. I think, I think another name for a runner is work experience, isn't it? That's what I'm assuming. Unless, unless they really are paid money for doing it. But most people come in, and it's a good way into the industry to uh, offer yourself as work experience. We have work experience people who come and work on LBC, and they'll have a, a day with the news desk, then they'll be put on to a programme to see how that works, then they'll watch all the different bits and pieces. And if they like it, and we like them, then who knows in the future it could lead to, to some shifts. Because that's what, yeah, that's how the producers, well, explains everything, doesn't it? So anyway, that's how he started here. And you, you're always, always, if you can afford to do it, I've always said the way into a place is to offer yourself as work experience. Because that's the only way that they will see if they like you, and you will see if you like their work regime. Because it has to work. It has to work both sides. You can't just walk into a job and go, uh, I think I want to be uh, a presenter. Because I've never known anybody be taken on like that. Uh, you know, people start off very soon. People get found out if they're not very good. Because nowadays it, it hinges on your ratings. You don't get ratings. They don't want you anymore. What's the point of keeping somebody who doesn't pull an audience? And so uh, the 4am spike is quite important as far as I'm concerned. So that's what you should always do. If you have enough time and you have enough money and your parents can fund it or you can fund it yourself, write into a place. But please, please, please do not just write, dear sir or madam, I'd like to work for your radio station. Because that signifies to them immediately you know nothing about us at all. So in other words, if you wanted to work for, say, LBC, you would find out who the programme controller was. You would find out the proper address. You would find out something about the station. And you would target your letter. It's no good just sending out a load exactly the same, because people are going to look at it and just throw it in the bin. They're not going to be interested. You've got to find out the name of the person. I remember years ago when I used to work for United Biscuits Network, people used to write in going, I'd like to be a radio presenter, P.S. I like custard creams. You know, and we were sort of thinking, not really. That kind of went in the bin. That kind of went in the bin. I don't think actually now we even do um, demo tapes. We do them if we've taken somebody on just to see what they're going to sound like. I mean, some people... On, uh, on the work experience. Uh, they, they quite clearly never even heard anything about LBC at all. What's the point? Why would you want to waste everybody's time, including your own? You know, if you're interested in a particular station or you, you, know, you like a particular group of companies or things like that, well, then you target them. But for God's sake, find out what they do. Find out what they do. And as somebody said to me years and years ago, remember, when you're applying for a job, sell yourself like a Christmas parcel. In other words, the better it's wrapped the more they'll be interested. Just, you know, selling yourself on a piece of tatty paper and not doing your proper CV and all that kind of stuff. You're selling yourself. You're selling yourself to a company who are going to invest in your future. You know, I'm quite sure when LBC took me on way back in 19... <laughs> frozen to death, I don't think they ever thought to themselves that, by God, he's still going to be here in 19... Uh, 2016. Couldn't remember the blasted year, you see. What hope? You know, and that's, and that's it. So you have to make the effort. You've got to make the effort. I made an effort when I made my demo tape for LBC. And all I did was I lifted a news bulletin. We lifted it off the radio. Uh, we took out their news reader. And I recorded the, exactly the same links. And then we sent it back to them. So it was a three-minute bulletin with me reading it. So they could see what I sounded like reading their bulletin. And it worked because I got a job within about two days which wasn't bad. I'm not saying it's that easy nowadays, but it's, it's worth, worth investing a bit of time and effort. I promise you, it pays dividends in the long run. 19... Oh, God, late again. 19 past four. Steve Allen on LBC. 
Nick Ferrari at breakfast every weekday morning from seven, only on LBC. The Queen was thrilled yesterday. I love the idea that somebody made a lovely cake for her. I think it's the woman from Bake Off. Well, of course, the Queen doesn't eat cake, as anybody will tell you. Anyway, coming up with Nick Ferrari at breakfast, they'll pay tribute to Prince, the music icon who's died age 57. Speak to those who work closely with the elusive star. They'll be at Downing Street as Barack Obama flies in, and on the eve of the 400th anniversary of William Shakespeare's death, they'll speak to Joseph Fiennes, the actor who played the part of the bard in Shakespeare in Love. Perhaps they can explain where his head's gone. Isn't the head vanished from the grave or something? And LBC's very own Katie Hopkins will be with Nick to take a look through the papers. That's Nick Ferrari at breakfast. After the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Yes, that... uh, 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 somebody said that, I mean, as opposed to the woman from Bake Off doing it, it should have been the WI. To be honest with you, it looks like it's about to fall over, doesn't it, really? And the Queen's going, oh, nice, what is it? It's a cake. Oh, lovely. <laughs> she doesn't eat it. I mean, it's very, it's very pretty. But, uh, I mean, somebody said it looked a bit circus-like. I thought it looked a bit naff, actually. Most people are saying that, you know, they said the cake for the Queen was hideous. When you consider what she actually could have had made and what, you know, what art is going on out there in the world of cakes... I mean, this cake was just decidedly dull. It really was. You know, very sweet. But it, it just looked like some sort of... It just looked like three round cakes, one shoved on top of the other one. And when you look at the sugar work that they do nowadays... I mean, and you look, I mean, you look at this port. The Queen must have gone, is it a hat? You know, not... No, because, I mean, to be honest with you, it could have been a hat. It was, it was really the most boring cake I'd ever seen. I would already be rude to the, to the poor woman. I'm sure she made her, her best effort. But if that's the best she can come up with for the Queen for her 90th birthday... It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, so Andy's written in. I like, I like Andy. They, they always put all the, the thing. He says, oi, oi, because he's a bit common. Leave out the abuse of uh, Nadia Hussein. I struggle. No, there's no abuse of her. We're talking about how naff the cake is. He says, I struggle not to burn toast. So he's a real thicko. And she had to single-handedly bake a cake for the Queen. She won the Bake Off programme, idiot. Why do you get so many stupid people? Actually, it's very funny. I, I was reading a, a tweet the other day from uh, James O'Brien. And he's obviously being targeted by the internet trolls, he says, but they're, they're too stupid to realise that, they, that they, they don't actually get through. They just they disappear. So they're writing them, and, uh, and you just assume that they're still writing. But they're actually in a, in a completely separate department, which isn't accessed by anybody now. So they can write day after day after day. It's only to satisfy their own loneliness, I suspect. He said he, he, said he thought about doing a book on them. To sort of say, this is how stupid some of these people are, which is, you know, the racists and the home. We found Roy, didn't we, the other day, the racist from, uh, from Kent, who didn't quite understand. I assumed he was a bit old and dim. He didn't quite understand the fact that he was a racist. But uh, as I say, people who, who are racist always go, I'm not racist, but... And that's the kind of thing, you know, I don't mind black people, but, yes, yeah, some of my best friends are gay, some of my best friends are Jewish, and you think, oh, dear, you've kind of dug your own grave here. This cake is even worse the more I look at it. It's rubbish. Absolute rubbish cake. And the Queen's sort of looking at it like, ew, <laughs> which I can understand. it. They should have had somebody proper in to bake the cake. Whose idea was that? The crowd of people sitting behind her broke into a rendition of Happy Birthday. I bet she was sick to death of hearing school kids singing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Birthday to you. Birthday, your majesty. A birthday to you. And they all stood there. They managed to sort of drag them all out, didn't they, for all the news programmes. 
I think they, who did they do it? Matt Barbette, I think, had to introduce some kids the other day. I wasn't sure who was more embarrassed, the kids for singing it or Matt Barbette for having to introduce the thing. It does make me laugh. Anyway, are you well? It's Friday. We love Friday. Oh, another cake. How many cakes did the Queen get? She doesn't eat cake. She doesn't eat cake. Prin- Princess Anne's there. Or oh, was that last year's cake? God, that was even a more pathetic effort, wasn't it, really? Sophie Wessex is very pretty, isn't she? And the Queen's outfits I always like. But the Queen doesn't eat cake, OK? So, uh, so Nadia Hussein, very sweet of you, dear, to make an effort, but it was a chronically awful cake. That was... And I don't know what's in it. Uh, she appeared on The One Show. Oh, God, honestly, what a dreary programme that is. Blimey, honestly. Oh, The Morning Taxi. Oh, where are we up to with The Morning Taxi? Well, this morning, uh, I get the notification... Carl's on the way to you. And so I thought, well, this is fine. So yesterday, you remember, it was sort of 29 minutes away and then it got further away. And then it sort of came back on itself. And then it was there. And I said, listen, half past is, you know, I book it for quarter past. This has been booked for quarter past since I opened, pardon me, opened up my account. And so anyway, so um, this morning I get the notification, the car's on the way. So I click onto the map and it goes, it's three minutes away. So this is, this is about five past two. So I thought, well, that's good. That's good. At least we'll be in early. And we were in just after half past two, which suits me fine. It gives me more time to go through the papers. Not that there's anything in there this morning, but at least we've made the effort. And uh, so the driver turns up and he says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm early. I said, no, no, it's, it's booked for quarter past. I said, I don't know why the computer says half past. I've got no idea. And uh, it's, it's all a bit straight. Anyway, so I said, get in the car. We sort of come into town. And he said, do you book it for quarter past? I said, yeah. I said, when we set up the account, we booked for quarter past. I said, I don't know how. I said, half past is useless to me. Why would I want to leave at half past? I start work at three. I've got stuff to do before the programme. I can't, I can't get in too late. That's the hours of, of my work. So anyway, so then I get a, a tech, I get an email. I get an email from, uh, from a lady from, uh, from the company who I'm with. And uh, so I thought that was quite nice, actually. And I'll just tell you her name's Jodie. And so she she writes to me and says, uh, you know, uh, can you get this this lady called Claire to let us know uh, about the new time of the taxi? So I wrote back to her saying, it's got nothing to do with Claire. This is a private account. I book my taxi. I'm the one who I, I pay the bill. I do it. So anyway, so I sent it off to her at the email address she's got. And it's come back fail to deliver because it's uh it doesn't uh it doesn't work it couldn't be found the email address so i sent two emails one saying i don't need to contact this woman this is my taxi i'm paying for it why why would somebody else want to change the time of my taxi it's my private account it's like you know sort of i don't know some other big celebrity somewhere not that i'm a big celebrity but if it was a big celebrity and they've got a private account they say would you like to contact steve allen to book your account and to book the taxi time. So I'll have to now phone them again today to say, no, it's my account. It's a private account. It's nothing to do with, with where I work. I pay for it. I have my own cab. It's as simple as that. Mind you, we're going to have a slight problem on Sunday, I've decided. But I've, I've sorted out parking for the car. I'm going to come in early and, uh, and see if I can get a little bit nearer because of the marathon. But the weather's going to be disastrous. Absolutely disastrous on Sunday. So there's going to be 36,000 people pounding the street... And uh, and it's either going to be wet, snowing, or just bitterly cold. Either way, terrible. Uh, Bev says, after watching the Angela Rippon recent programme on how to stay younger, it would appear that dancing is the best form of anti-ageing exercise. So I've been browsing Amazon for some suitable DVDs, and horror of horrors, came across Colleen Nolan's Disco Dance DVD for weight loss. In the synopsis, Colleen states that she's finally found the solution to losing the weight and keeping it off. What happened there? 
Well, she lied to you, didn't she? But then, of course, Bev, we know she's a liar. We know she's a liar. She's supposed to have gone on this major diet after she was shamed on television when somebody told her that she was so many stone overweight. She's still exactly the same size. She appears to have... Obviously, nobody was going to buy into the idea of sort of her trying to come up with some idea of making a bit of money. And she's supposed to have stopped smoking. Well, I'm not totally convinced by that one either. Not totally convinced. Uh, The programme last night, says Noreen, about the Queen. Wonderful. All home movies. William and Harry. Princess Alexandra. Duke of Kent. Lady Sarah Chatto. Queen of Denmark. Charles. Very moving. I shall certainly watch it again. I thought the whole day went very well for the Queen. And uh, sad news about Prince. Dreadful year. It is the worst year ever, isn't it? Have you ever known a year whereby we get to April and it's been this bad? I mean, literally, I'm going to go home today... And I'm going to be sitting there thinking, I wonder who's next. Is it me? Is it somebody else? Because it's it's certainly not the most obvious, is it? Prince at 57. Victoria Wood at 62. All these people, they're just way too young. I thought we're supposed to be, you know, ahead of the game at the moment, but we appear not to be. It's all very worrying. OK, quick time check for you, because it's 4.30. It's LBC News. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. News just coming in. There's a, a quake just hit Ecuador, measuring six on the Richter scale. So uh, more updates on that very, very shortly. So Ecuador. It's amazing. Have you noticed? I mean, they had one in Japan the other day. There are lots of people who seem to be lying on these uh, uh, tectonic plates and things move and immediately roads start collapsing. Huge chasms open up. Didn't we have it in this uh, country? Didn't we have it in the Jurassic coastline where a four foot wide gap has opened up? And I'm saying, well, what happens when that drops into the sea? What that's going to reveal, Lord alone knows. Lord alone knows. Uh, so, uh, other stories in the uh, the paper today. Uh, John Lewis have got a new duvet. I like a new duvet. 10,000 quid, this one is. A £10,000 duvet. I didn't think it was possible to have that. Also, why it's hard to sleep in a strange bed. And uh, Rylan. That's uh, Rylan. Uh, apparently he's uh, warned his new autobiography will cause a few shocks. I shouldn't think so, dear. I shouldn't think so. If it's as poor as your presenting skills, uh, I don't think anybody's going to be bothering with it. I mean, you know, he's, he's, so he said he's, he's going to be revealing secrets. What? Things that we don't know about people. Like what? Like what? I shouldn't imagine Ryland knows any more than anybody else who picks up a copy of the local papers. It's as simple as that. He knows no more uh, than that. So, But he's got to try and drum up some interest in an autobiography, which generally sort of appears, you know, as you're about to to, to die. So uh, Ryland is doing his now for some reason. Who'd buy it? I can't imagine. It'll be remainded in Poundland very, very shortly. Uh, somebody also pointed out to me that um, this uh, damehood, if it goes to Victoria Wood, which it won't, I don't think. Uh, it isn't valid in death. It just it doesn't mean anything. It's only valid if somebody's alive. And also, if they didn't give it to her while she was alive, they quite clearly weren't going to give it to her. I think she had an OBE, CBE, something like that. But uh, the damehood eluded her. But then the knighthood eluded various other people. Uh, the last earthquake in Ecuador, which was, you remember last Saturday, 600 people died in that one. I think it's where half of mountains just literally collapsed because people tend to build... You know, in the most inappropriate places, even knowing that, you know, the area is likely to fall prey to something like this. So the latest one, the latest earthquake, hit a six, hit a six on the Richter scale. We'll have more details on that uh, coming up in the uh, the news. There's no other information coming in at the moment. But if we lost 600 last time round, we'll be uh, heading for disaster funds, I think, very, very shortly. Uh, so front page of all the papers in this country for this Friday morning is uh, Queen... 
uh, birthday and Prince dying on the Queen's birthday. And that's uh, so Prince and Queen, I suppose that's their their only thing here. Uh, on Saturday night, he said, wait a few days before you waste any prayers. He predicted his death, they say. I mean, perhaps he didn't feel very well. He died. I was more impressed with the fact he had a lift at his house. Also, that was quite a nice thing. I thought perhaps walking up the stairs would be better. Whether he had an illness we weren't aware of, I've got no idea. He did tell uh, lovers that he was the Messiah. He did behave a little bit strangely. A little bit strangely. But there again, that's what gets people noticed, isn't it, in the pop world. You have to do something which gets people to look at you and to go, oh, yes, you know, oh, he's the new Messiah. He's not really. He just says that because it gets, uh, gets a bit of publicity. Uh, this is, uh, what have we got here? Oh, God, an Olympic bike lane collapsing the other day. Uh, this is a, a section, uh, where is it? Where the God in heaven is this? Is that Rio? Dear Lord, honestly, it's all collapsing, isn't it? Have you noticed? Everybody's dying. You know, we've got earthquakes, we've got tremors, we've got, you know, huge amounts of people dying. It's not going very well, is it? If you were sort of born, you know, within about the past five years, you must be wondering whether or not this is sort of the downward spiral. Uh, Let says, I've been to Windsor Castle. Seems to be a complete village on its own. Oh, it's completely self-sufficient, I believe. Although they don't grow much in the way of vegetables and things like that. It comes in. But all their kitchens are there. It is. It's, and they've got the private quarters. Lots of people stay, stay there. They have lots of visitors there. Sometimes when the Queen's not there. Barack Obama, I don't know where he'll be staying. He, but he could be staying at Windsor Castle. They have full facilities. It's like hotel facilities. The best hotel you could ever probably stay in. Although I've seen some in London where we've had afternoon tea. And... Uh, I think they say at the American Embassy. Yeah, but they've moved that, haven't they? They've moving, yeah. I think he'd want to stay with the, with the Queen, wouldn't he? I would think so. Uh, Steve, apparently the cake, says Peter, had its own segment on The One Show, so I think that says it all, really. Yeah, I mean, you know, The One Show, the most dreary programme on the television, it really is bloody boring. And, of course, they'll put any old garbage on there. And that cake, if that seriously is the best cake we can come up with for Her Majesty the Queen, then we might as well just give up now. It was just pitifully dreadful. Pitifully dreadful. And uh, Phil says, uh, LBC's 4AM News said that house prices in Liverpool have gone up, yet yesterday it was the benefit capital of the UK. Strange. No, not really. When they say house prices gone up, they've gone up from 15000 to 20000 for a house. You can still buy houses for a pound up there, depending on where you want to live and, and how quickly you want to be burgled. Uh, Steve, as you seem to have had problems for five days in a row with the private hire people, I think they're trying to give you a hint, and I think you should move to another company. I have a contract, unfortunately. I have a contract, so it's not, not as easy as that. But don't worry, because uh, don't get the service, don't pay. Oh, I'm, I'm quite... Uh, I can be very vocal, believe you me. Uh, I do work experience, Steve, and, uh, you know, I feel good after doing it. But a lot of people do work experience. A lot of people do work experience, and it, it, does, it does work for them. It does work for them. And, uh, and it's, it's a way of advancing a career. It's no good sitting there, is it, and just twiddling your thumbs. You know, we could all sit there and just sort of stare at the walls. I mean, I can do that, actually, in the morning. I have to motivate myself sometimes. I actually get... I sort of sit there and I sort of have a shave and I've got my cup of coffee, my big cup of coffee, and uh, that gets me through. And then something will start on the television. I go, oh, not now. I've got to go and get in the shower. And this morning it was Grand Designs, and I love Grand Designs, so I couldn't, uh, I couldn't watch that. First thing I do is, is check out the news to see if anybody else has died, and mercifully nobody had overnight. Who's next, Steve? I was thinking exactly the same. We've lost so many well-known people so far this year. It was very noticeable that Bruce didn't attend Ronnie Corbett's funeral. Uh, yeah, he's quite ill, but we all knew that. That's, uh, that's old news. We all know that, uh, that Bruce is not very well. His, uh, his wife went, Will Nelia. 
she went to uh, to have a look. And, uh, and then Peter says, uh, uh, the plus thing about Rylan exposing secrets. If he's wrong, the victims could sue him out of existence. Yes, I mean, all these books are checked very carefully before you write anything about any celebrities. And in the case of Ryland's case, he's just... He's just another very extreme camp person on the television who's not very good, and that's the embarrassment. He'll have his, uh, his five minutes in the limelight, and then all of a sudden he'll fall out of favour. And all of a sudden it'll be a case of, you know, well, Rylan who? And so he's got to quickly, I suppose, make some sort of, make some sort of money out of it. Although who's going to be remotely interested? Some of the names they've banded around. I think here, wait a minute, because uh, I remember sort of reading it and thinking, God, who's going to buy that? Nobody would buy that. They really wouldn't. Yeah, he says here... Uh, it's going to f- cause a few shocks. No, it won't. No, there's no shocks at all. Uh, the celebrity big brother and X Factor star, they say, I think disaster star, uh, is about to spill the beans about his life and some of the people he's worked with, including Simon Cowell and Nicole Scherzinger. Well, how dull is that, dear? We know more about it than you do. And he's promised that the life of Ryland will be explosive. He says, it's been a bit of therapy. I'm a little bit shocked at some of the things... I'm coming out with, but I promise to be honest. I'm sorry, darling. You're, you're right. I'm so sorry. You're kind of mistaking us for people who actually care. Nobody cares about you. That's the trouble. It's just sort of papers like the Daily Star that'll print a little bit about you. But to be honest with you, your book will just be remaindered within a short space of time. Who's interested? If you come up with anything... I mean, you're not important enough in the scheme of things to write a book about any celebrities... You're really not, and I'm sorry if you're delusional enough to kind of think that that's the way forward, but, you know, decent people wouldn't ever do anything like that, and your book would be full of the usual claptrap that anybody else can come up with. Not so good. Uh, Martin in Bangor says, last night my blood sugar was 35.6. It's near death, isn't it, I think? 35.6. I don't know what mine is this morning, actually. I didn't bother doing it, because I thought it's... I mean, even when I don't do anything, I'm doing 13s, and it's uh, it's a little bit ridiculous. It drives me mad, actually. What can you do about it? Not a lot, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, Louise, uh, I can't tell you that. And on the subject of... Um, did you ever interview Lemmy from Motorhead? No, sadly, he didn't fit into LBC's profile, Lemmy from Motorhead. I don't know why, actually. <laughs> he died before Christmas, didn't he? Gee, it's been a dreadful few months. I'm not laughing at the at sort of you know, the futility of the whole thing. I'm just sort of thinking to myself, how many more people are going to die? I mean, obviously, quite a few people, really. I mean, today, people will die. But, you know, how many famous people... How many famous people will be, uh, will be, uh, you know, shuffling off? Must be one hell of a party going on up in heaven. Uh, Danny DeVito is taking credit for One Direction's Harry Styles breaking into acting. Well, there's no evidence that Harry Styles will be breaking into acting. I mean, most of it's a load of old hooey, I'm afraid. So we'll have to wait and see, shall we? Uh, more on this, uh, this boy, four, who decided he's a girl... And so his mum dresses him in dresses and everything. I don't know. Is that... I mean, I seriously don't know. He doesn't really think he's a girl, does he? At four? At four? I mean, is it, is it, is it absolutely possible? Um, what else do we have? Oh, the gag going on and on and on with the mystery celebrity and the threesomes and the olive oil and the shenanigans that goes with it. I couldn't really care less. I said to you yesterday and the day before, I'm so bored with that story. By the time it hits the newspaper, you'll be going, yeah, we know who it is. We know who it is. We felt a bit queasy first time round. Fans and friends, uh, Victoria Wood are calling for her to be made a dame. Uh, dame Esther has uh, jumped in on the thing. She's 75. And uh, everybody's saying, why wasn't she sufficiently honoured in life? Because that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. You know, it's, it's you can't explain it. You don't know really why. I think she was a CBE and also uh, 
Julie Walters, is also a CBE. I don't, uh, you know, that was quite nice. She was more than happy with that, believe you me. She was so modest. She wasn't like one of these people who said, you know, you must call me Dame. You must call me this. You know, when I had Lord Julian Fellows in the studio, I called him Julian. Because that's what I know him as, you know. I did ask if he had it on his chequebook, and he did admit that he did have it on his chequebook. And uh, this morning we will be having a couple of little clips of my guests who are going to be with me tomorrow for In Conversation. Because tomorrow being Saturday, I know, before you get a bit excited about it, and you realise that, yes, between five and six tomorrow... uh, is going to be the best of Steve Allen from this week. And then between six and seven, it's In Conversation. First airing, second airing, Sunday at nine o'clock. And this week, it's Lord Julian Fellows, the man behind Downton Abbey and a whole tonne of other stuff. So we'll have a long chat to him. He's got a new uh, new venture. And the other guest is an actor and a filmmaker, Boogie Nights, Crash, Hotel Rwanda. That's Don Cheadle. And that's a really, really... They're both really, really good interviews. I know it sounds rubbish every time I say that to you every week, but then people uh, listen to them on the Saturday morning, as they did... I think last week was the first Saturday morning, so we'll have a couple of clips this morning of Don Cheadle and Lord Julian Fellows, give you a flavour of what to look forward to for this weekend. Uh, What else do we have in the paper? Oh, yes, we've got a picture of uh, our pride in St George and the flagon, because uh, the full English uh, here... It's quite nice, actually. I quite like the idea of a full English, but we're never too sure what it is. And so they've uh, they've sort of told us what the full English is. It's wool sausages. And apparently, the brand that sums up Englishness is London Pride. London Pride has been handed down to us. London Pride. See, I don't drink beer, so I wouldn't have the faintest idea. It just looks like a pint. I, mean, I suppose because it's got London in it, and that sums up, you know, everything that uh, we're supposed to be proud about. hope so. Brewed in where? Brentford. Brewed in Brentford? Oh, right. Oh, that one there. That's that where London Pride comes from. Oh, right. On the Hogarth Roundabout. You can't miss it. They always have Christmas trees. Always have Christmas trees lining it. And there's two pubs there. There's two, wait a minute. Yeah, there's, there's a pub on the corner. And then just as you go round the Hogarth, there's another pub there. And then there's another one round the side. Loads of pubs around there. What does that tell you about the people of Chiswick? Alcoholics, ladies and gentlemen. They've got the brewery. They drink. Oh, dreadful it really is it's quarter to five steve allen on lbc tech 84850 steve allen tweet at lbc morning everybody Haley says steve great show as per couldn't agree more about the queen's cake very disappointing looked like it was leaning to the side it was just unimaginative to three round cakes what's clever about that the children of seven listening to this program could do something better than that couldn't they i mean i'm expecting when i've seen and I've been into... What did I look at? A short while ago. Oh, yeah, they have this, this programme on the television. It's, I think it's on the Food Channel, uh, which occasionally seems to pop up on my television. And I love it because it's from America. And they have a, a series on there called Wedding Cakes. Well, these cakes are unbelievable. I mean, seriously. They've been everything from, you know, filled with tropical flowers, all made out of sugar. Beautiful. And what do we get? Three round cakes splodged on top of one another. Blooming boring, ladies and gentlemen. If that's the best week that the Queen must have looked at it and gone, what on earth was that? And the worst thing was that the woman who baked it obviously thought it was something really special. She needs to get out there and, and see what everybody else is coming up with. Because that was pitifully awful. Pitifully awful. Might have taken her ages, but I promise you, it, would, uh, it didn't, d- didn't do it for us, actually. Uh, Obama's staying at the American Ambassador's residence in Regent's Park. Oh, I'll have a wave at him. I can have a wave next time I go past, because at the moment, because it's, um, 
uh, because it's, um, what is it? Oh, you can see through the garden. Dreadful-looking garden. It's got a couple of goalposts in there, obviously, for the kids or something like that. But the garden should be much nicer. And if you walk through Regent's Park, you can see it. You can look through. It's got a bit of a sort of a metal fence kind of thing there. And there's probably cameras. No, security don't like that. But round the back, it seems to be fine. I mean, I could take pictures of it and nobody would do a thing. Seriously. Because you're actually... In Regent's Park. In fact, I'm going to do it on Sunday and tweet them. <laughs> just to uh, just to let you know about these things. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I see that old thicko Naomi Campbell turned up the other day. And she turned up on Alan Carr's show, because you know they've actually shoved him onto Thursday now. It's a Thursday night show. He's, he's lost his main slot. Uh, so they're trying to fill it up with guests. And, of course, she's not the most interesting person in the world. And she meets Michael McIntyre. And she thinks that he's... A goggle box regular. She has no idea he's Michael McIntyre. She's that thick. She's that thick. I mean, it is. It is. We know she's from Streatham. We know there's not a lot between her ears. I mean, he's been on telly for ten years, and she thinks he's on goggle box. That gives you a rough idea how stupidly out of touch this barking mad woman is. Otherwise known as the clothes horse, walks up and down in a funny little walk, but never quite made it, did she? She had, had a lot of anger management problems. Which is, uh, which is good, actually. This is good. I like anger management. Well, we know eventually we get round there. Uh, the man who um, sort of scooped 10 million, he thought it was only 10,000. Well, actually, if he only thought it was 10,000, give him 11. He'll think he's quids in. And that way you don't need to bother to give him uh, all the money. Uh, somebody's uh, written into the Daily Star's letter page called uh, Jim Boy, who says Jodie Marsh goes on Twitter to tell us her marriage is over. Nobody cares, dear. No, nobody cares at all. Nobody gives a flying forex about Jodie Marsh. She was a has-been years ago. She's even worse now. Even wor- Who cares that her marriage is over after seven months? That's her problem, isn't it? That is absolutely her problem. I couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. She was, uh, she was ugly inside and outside for a long time ago. She was a silly little exhibitionist show-off. The cake was all bumpy where the icing wasn't correct. It was ghastly, Steve. Ghastly. Well, I thought it, I thought it was just uninteresting. Aren't we supposed to be demonstrating for the Queen's birthday that we're absolutely brilliant and they come up with that? That's what they came up with. They authorised it. Shouldn't somebody have said, can, can we see some designs? What, what are you going to make for the Queen's 90th? I mean, if I'd been doing it, I'd be going, I'm so, can you show us a three round cakes, dear? What's that about? Why don't you just go into Marks and Spencer's or Waitrose or anywhere else, buy three sponges, stick one on top of the other, drizzle it with chocolate and go, there you go, British creation. Stick a few chips on there and a few packets of fags and that'll about sum it up, won't it? I like the idea of, um, of newsagent Ron Harwood. He's got a... A newsagent shop, as he's a newsagent. That would make sense, wouldn't it? And um, he was confronted by two hooded men who burst in, wielding a hammer and a wrench. They ordered the 60-year-old to hand over cash from his till and the ATM, but unfortunately, they didn't know he was a karate black belt. Well, he felled them to the ground. They picked up their skirts and they ran like the girls' blouses that they were. He's also trained in jiu-jitsu. Uh, they fled empty-handed. He said uh, he started to lift the till, and he was shouting, "What's in?" They always ask stupid questions, robbers, don't they? What's in the till? Well, I don't know. Ice cream, fish and chips, uh, perhaps a pizza. What do you think's in the till? It's like somebody was saying to me, you know, you say to somebody, somebody, I was outside the door. Do you remember the other day, the other week, and uh, one of these sort of local drunks lurched up to me, and as I'm opening the door, he pointed and said, "What's that?" And I said, "It's a door." Have you not seen a door before? And then I walked in, and he stood there, and his mates just pointed and laughed at him. Nothing worse than stupid drunks, is there really? But uh, but well done to uh, to Rod. Good for him. Excellent. And um, he said the red mist just uh, took me over. 
He's run the shop in in uh, Berry, Greater Manchester, for 17 years. The police said we're checking CCTV footage from around the area. They will find them. Because all these people, they, they are so dumb. They go in there, they want money for drugs, or they're just thieving. And um, and they just go in there, and they thought they could take him on. But, of course, he was bigger and better than they were. I'd love to have seen that. I'd love to have seen that. That would make me very happy. I've always wanted to do it. You know when you see the police on the television, they're trying to wrestle drunks to the ground. I want to be like Mr Spock in Star Trek. We just touch the side of their neck, and they go down like a pack of cards. Do you think that could ever happen? No, just t- perhaps if it was electrified, perhaps if you had electric fingers or something like that, you just touch the side of their neck, or you had a taser or something like that. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, what else we got here? Michael McIntyre risked the wrath of Russell Crowe by teasing him in a phone prank. Yeah, I don't think he's got a sense of humour, has he? I don't think he's got a sense of humour. I would like to think that he had, but I have a sneaking feeling he hasn't. Sneaking feeling. So what are you doing for the weekend, everybody, eh? Doing something? Are you running in the marathon? There'll be lots of you listening at the moment going, I'm definitely going to run in the marathon this year. I think all sorts of people are, are running. And it's, I'm not one of those running. I don't do run. There's no point in somebody else dying, thank you very much indeed. I don't want to go in for something like that. I don't mind watching. And they forecast snow. Snow. Have you ever heard of it? Snow. Wow. Unbelievable. And somebody says, can you repeat Wednesday's programme on Saturday? I don't know what they're... Uh, what they're repeating it's never up to me i'll leave it up to the producer who sits there and uh, and just puts it together i just i don't know what's on i can't remember what we did on wednesday what did we do i can't remember what i did yesterday why don't you ask me about wednesday it's ridiculous and uh, the queen's cake looked like three hat boxes she even asked if it could be cut says joe it was dreadful absolutely dreadful cake i don't want to be rude about it but i'm going to have to be uh, steve there must be something in the water says julia because uh, in our neck of the woods, because my sugar levels were all over the place. At midnight, it was 10.5, and that dropped to 4 at 3.15. It's now slowly going up again. Well, mine, for the last two days, I've been doing... I did 12.7 the other day, and then yesterday, 13.5. And I hadn't even had anything. I'd had no no food, no nothing. And I had a sandwich this morning, and I dread doing it. We might have to do it a bit later, actually, just to see what we're going to sort of uh, produce. And another one here. Talking about uh, the Queen's cake. None of you seem to like it. None of you <laughs> seem to like it at all. I have to laugh at it because when you see the pictures in the paper, you'll realise it's not, not the best cake. But uh, in Windsor, where they're very proud of having Windsor Castle, I used to go there on a regular basis. I loved it. I loved it. I loved the... Uh, I love Windsor Castle. It's great to go. I liked it when it was free. I don't like it now they charge. And the reason they, they charge is because uh, you have to pay for the, the decoration after the fire. Uh, you have to pay for the decoration after the fire, after they were warned to get fire alarms in, and they didn't bother. So, in other words, because of their ineptitude, you have to pay for it. Uh, lots of pictures of the Queen's home movies, which went out on the television yesterday. Uh, you know, they do do normal things, like play on cars and do normal things. Uh, Princess Anne Topless. Whoa. Not really. Only joking. And uh, and Prince Charles in his swimwear. And it's just lots of pictures of oh, Prince Andrew in his swimwear. Whereas we've all seen pictures of Prince Andrew without his swimwear. That is very interesting. And there's also hide-and-seek in the leaf pile for Andrew and Edward. If only they'd stayed there. Uh, then you've got uh, Princess Diana, Queen Mother, looking lovely. But they, they, they have their, their sort of private life, don't they? Where the Queen hosts dinner parties and, and it's all very lovely. Uh, the Diana Dawes story, I'm going to have to tell you the other side of the news because it's really bizarre. It's very, very bizarre. I don't understand this one at all because uh, Jason Dawes Lake, who was the, uh, the, the product of Diana Dawes's uh, marriage to Alan Lake, she then died. He was so depressed 
he couldn't uh, he couldn't cope without her that he took his own life. But uh, so Jason uh, gets fined for stealing wine from Waitrose, and then a bizarre claim that his parents abused his lover as a girl. I don't understand it either. I mean, I find it terribly sad that people say things about their parents when they're not there. I really do. I just, you know, why didn't you say something when they were alive? Why say something afterwards? I was always led to believe, I don't think I'm talking out of out of turn, that Diana Dawes and, and Alan Lake had a very, let's just call it, colourful life with a lot of S-E-X thrown in. They apparently used to have orgies and things like that at their house. And uh, the rumour was that one of the bedrooms had a two-way mirror in and they would all sit the other side watching a couple who didn't know that they were being watched. It's all very odd, isn't it? Very odd. Uh, could animals raise a human child? No. Once you've seen a picture of Bagheera, the Black Panther, and little Mowgli, he just looks like he's a small snack for Bagheera. But Bagheera was his friend, so that was OK. I think we just like it, don't we? We like the ideas that animals, you know, really understand us, and we've heard stories of animals who stay by people's bodies, and they sort of look out for them, or they sort of try and help them, and things like that. And I've no doubt in my mind that there is a certain empathy that goes on with animals. Certainly not with my hamster, which had no idea of anything that went on at all, and really couldn't care less. But uh, I only... We had two hamsters. The first one, Judy, who died... Uh, after about a couple of years, but it seemed like a long time for Judy, I should imagine, and was very tame, would never bite you at all. You could literally prise its little mouth open and stick your finger in, she wouldn't bite. Uh, And then the second one, which we didn't handle as much. I don't care what anybody says, but you get a feeling about animals, don't you? And also, a man came in Paul Cooper's shop the other day with a dog, and it was the most beautiful dog I've ever seen. It's not, I mean, um, the name is probably wrong, but is it something like a of Weissmuller or something, or Weiss, it's whatever it is, it's the most beautifully smooth dog with the most beautiful face I've ever seen. Really smooth, and I'm sure it was something like it's very smooth and it's very, it's a very lean dog, very lean dog. Is it a, a Weissmuller? Anyway, you, most of you will go, Oh, I know it's what you're trying to say, Steve. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let you know about that as soon as possible. Coming up to the, uh, the news at five o'clock this Friday morning, it is a whoopee kind of a day. Well, it, it would be a whoopee kind of a day if we weren't reporting on the death of another celebrity. It's just gone terribly pear-shaped at the moment. It's just literally day after day after day, there's another celebrity who loses their fight for life. And again, over the last two days, we've lost two people who we weren't even aware of having a fight. I mean, Prince, I don't know whether he knew that he was very ill... Uh, and uh, I suppose the difference between Victoria Wood is she knew that she had cancer and she knew that it was uh, it was terminal. Um, Britain's biggest ever gun haul, another bunch of dozy criminals spending time in jail, the twin brother being brought up as, as a girl. Uh, why it's hard to sleep in a strange bed, because I can't sleep in strange beds. Uh, the groom is all cut up. It's uh, the story of a stag do, and the groom wasn't there, but his cardboard cutout was... And the armed raiders felled by the black belt store boss. It's all good news, you know. Well, most of it. On leading Britain's conversation, this is LBC with Steve Allen. Text eight four eight five zero. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. I knew you'd know the name of that dog. I knew you'd know the name of it. I'll tell you, they are absolutely brilliant. Anyway, the breakthrough in the fight to cure diabetes. Victoria's hell was so secret, not even her brother was told. So he goes on the television to talk about it, which is probably a very good reason why she didn't uh, want to tell him. Uh, Prince dead at 57. There's various pictures on the news of a few people standing outside the factory where he made the records. John Lewis's, it can't really be, can it? £10,000 duvet. Why it's very hard to sleep in a strange bed. I can't, I'm really, I'd rather go home. I'd rather sleep in the car, to be honest with you. Uh, Victoria Wood should be made a dame, says Esther Ranson. Wee bit too late. And um, 
186 assaults on NHS staff every single day of the week. It's that bad. And what's the dog? It's called a uh, Weimarana. A Weimarana. I knew it was some. I knew it was something I couldn't pronounce. And uh, it could have been a Weimarana, Steve. A large dog originally bred for hunting. It look. It's very sleek. Very sleek, and they've got very, very piercing blue eyes. That's it. They're absolutely. They've got the most amazing face. Look at it. It's all. It's all lean, isn't it? But it's. But it had a lovely face. And this one here, originally bred for brunt hunting, I think, in about the uh, the nineteenth century. Weimarana. Weimarana. Oh right. It's an all-purpose gun dog. Ooh, how posh. How posh. And uh, they're it's ve- they're very lovely, actually. They're very lovely. I wonder what they look like as puppies. Probably the same, just with piercing blue eyes. But this one was just. They're, they're just. They're so beautiful. I'll tell you what I do like. A friend of mine used to have a dog years ago, a lurcher, and it never barked. I don't think lurchers... Oh, that's what they look like as puppies, do they? Oh, want. Want one. <laughs> They're so cute. Mind you, every dog to me as a puppy looks gorgeous and cute. They're really... Oh, look. Do you know, if I had enough... If I'd won the lottery, I'd have a house with lots of dogs in it. The mess would be atrocious, I can just tell. But I quite fancy the idea. That, look at them. Aren't they gorgeous? Aren't they so sweet? So sweet, but bred as hunting dogs. Ooh. Why, Vimarana. Vimarana. They look, oh, my God, look at the teeth on it, Christ. <laughs> not going to be risking that one any time soon, are we? Definitely not. Uh, 84850, uh We'll talk about Diana Dawes' son. I'll read you the whole story because it's so odd. It's, I don't like it. I don't like the story at all. But uh, if he's fallen off the... Uh, uh, the wagon, well, then uh, he probably needs some help. Uh, Steve, wouldn't it be better to send Wills down to the local Tesco and get a cake with the Queen's picture on it? She probably would have thought that was quite clever, that you could eat the picture as well. And um, he said, Chris in Manchester says, you're wrong. You're very wrong. He says, of course animals can raise humans. Where do you think they find the cast of Geordie Shaw? I know, I know. It's so cruel, though, isn't it, really? So cruel. And um, another one here. Oh, yeah, a couple of people, I mean, I can't believe the, the, the dimness of some people saying that Percy Sledge died the other day. He died more than a year ago. He died more than a year ago, OK? Some people are so dumb, aren't they? They don't even bother to check out anything on the internet. He died more than a year ago, OK? Just thought I'd let you, that, let you know, just in case you thought, why has he not made the papers? Because it was a year ago, OK? So we put those, those people in the sin bin. It's a lot easier. Uh, I'm in, uh, in Oz, says Julie. I haven't been able to listen, load Listen Live for four days now. Any reason? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes somebody will write in to me, very, you know, very occasionally, very, very occasionally, and say, oh, where was yesterday's programme? And it turns out the fault is generally with them. It's not the fault our end. It loads from here. It's just that sometimes you need to turn your thing off and then turn it on again to reboot the system, OK? Because some people, people, they'll write it, they go, Steve, where was the free podcast? I go, well, it went from here. Went from here. And so, uh, you know, if it didn't make your place... The problem lies at uh, at your end. More of your texts and emails. Let's see what else on the subject of the uh, of the ten thousand pound duvet. Duvet. Phil says it, it may be worth it, depending on who's sleeping next to you. At a ten thousand pound duvet, you think I'm sharing it? I'm not sharing a duvet with anybody. Not for ten thousand pounds. Definitely not. Uh, there are quite a few uh, pubs in Brentford. After tomorrow night, there'll be one less. As the Richmond Arms closes its uh, doors for the last time, after drinking there for twenty two years, it's going to be a sad night. Why is the Richmond Arms closing? What are they turning that into? The Richmond Arms, they used to be in, in Richmond. I'll tell you this now for, a, for sort of, you know, for want of useless uh, Richmond information. But the, uh, there was a, a building society on the corner, which used to be a, a gay pub. It's, it seems unusual, doesn't it, in this day and age, we still have gay pubs. Uh, and there used to be another one, the Cobwebs, 
where the front bar was gay and the back bar was, was straight. The, the Richmond Arms uh, has gone into administration. And you t- it's only tiny. It's a little tiny pub. It's not very big at all. And so I don't know why people couldn't have sort of saved it. The place is so close that uh, we've been here. It will not reopen in any form. The landlord is not willing to extend the lease. Oh, dear. What do you think? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Coffee shop. Coffee shop. Flat above. Two flats above. That's what I see. But uh, it's a shame, really, isn't it? And so uh, so the owners have gone into administration. They've been looking to find a new owner. Unfortunately, it's not happened due to the landlord not willing to extend the lease. So the Richmond Arms will close. It's so close to many people there. It's, I mean, it's been a home to, you know, lots and lots of people for a long, long time. In fact, it was about the only gay pub left, I think. And uh, over 30 years. Is it really 30 years? Good God. But uh, the Richmond, uh, the other one was the one over the road from there. And, uh, but this one is going to close. But the landlord's not willing to extend the lease. I mean, the Black Cap as well in Camden Town, if you remember when. That was, that was the home of, uh, of drag for many years. And I think that's, that's flats, isn't it now? All these, pla- they're not interested in pubs or they're not interested in any places which have any sort of historical value to people. They're only interested in how much money can they make out of something. And anything that's a property now can be turned into flats or another bloody coffee. Sorry. <laughs> another coffee shop, which we don't want. I don't want any more coffee shops. I don't want any more. I'm sick to death of coffee shops and charity shops. I really am. I'm so bored with them. They're just, they're proliferating everything. They're completely destroying the high street. And I go to a coffee shop. Don't get me wrong, I'm there. But how many coffee shops do we need? How many coffee shops do we need? Apparently we need millions of the blasted things. So, uh, I agree, Alan. Sad. Very sad indeed. I hate it when landlords are so mean. It's almost homophobia, isn't it, really? You know, not willing to extend the lease. Why not? Why not? Mind you, as I say, there were certain people in Richmond never liked the idea there was a gay pub there. Actually, two at one time, wasn't there? So, uh, so that's why. Ridiculous, honestly. It, it's, it really is. Everything's changing. You watch. You'll be going past there very shortly. It'll be ripped out inside. And the next thing is it'll be turned into sort of a little bar or so. Not a, not, probably not a bar, but he's obviously got something in mind. He can probably get more rent, you know from it through selling it to somebody else who probably doesn't pay any tax. That'll be the one we'll be looking for, isn't it? Steve, after a few Proseccos, you can sleep anywhere. Actually, do you know, to be honest with you, I can't... I'm lucky, I've told you before. I'm one of those people who can sleep anywhere. I can. I sleep with the lights on. I don't turn the lights off. I've got a fear of sleeping in the dark, so I sleep with the lights on. I could lie down on this floor and go to sleep. Wouldn't be at all difficult for me. I know some people say, really? Sure. I say, absolutely. absolutely. So what does this, what is this uh, John Lewis duvet, what does it have in it that makes it worth £10,000? It's filled with eiderdown. I don't even know what that is. Uh, filled with eiderdown, harvested by hand from duck nests in Iceland to go on sale at John Lewis. This bespoke bedding will feature on a duvet menu targeted at families wanting to make investment purchases that promises years of use. I get years of use out of my... I think I paid... What did I pay for mine? About 400 and something. It's Siberian Goose. And uh, it's quite nice, very light, actually. John Lewis said it's noticed shoppers are increasingly rejecting today's throwaway culture. A spokesman explained, in recent years, the average mattress spend has increased and sales of sink pillowcases, silk pillowcases, have rocketed. The duvet menu will allow customers to purchase their own personalised duvet in any shape, size or tog. And, uh, you see, I don't understand anything about tog. It's supposed to be you've got a tog for this and it's, and this works for summer and this works for winter. I use the same one all year round. So I use the same one. It's very light and it's very nice. But this one will also have toasty toes feature with extra feathers at the base. 
It's still £10,000, isn't it? I mean, that is for people with more money than sense. I can't see anybody seriously... Certainly nobody listening to this programme, with the exception of maybe one or two of you, going, a 10,000... Oh, I might go and buy it. It's a £10,000 duvet. It makes you a little bit sort of more advanced than somebody next door who can't afford a £10,000 duvet. But who's going to know? Who's going to know it's a £10,000 duvet? Has it got 10,000 quid written on it? Oh, dear me, honestly. Uh, Steve, in Diary of a Madman, beautifully enacted by Kenneth Williams, deserved an Oscar. The dogs owned by lady dog owners began gossiping about him. He got very upset by their mean behaviour. Anyway, he knew they were jealous because he was the king of Spain. God, I wish I was doing drugs at this time of the morning. <laughs> I never understand half of these things. Uh, TMZ said Prince had a narco overdose five days ago. Think there's more news coming. And that's not a factory. That's his home. Look. Looked like a looked like a factory to me. Looked like something that we'd have over here, um, which would be on a like a trading estate or something like that. Very odd, isn't it? Very very odd. Other stories of the papers. You've got uh, Ched Evans and his uh, and his fiance Natasha leaving court in London. I don't know why I don't like either of them, but he's going to be retried after the rape appeal win. So he's going to go back into court and we go through it all over again. I don't quite understand how one minute you're sort of out of it and they go, OK, that's fine. And then the next minute you go, you're going back into court again. How does that work? Working for a top boss makes you ill. Really? Bosses who motivate the staff to go the extra mile may be making them ill in the long run. That's because apparently those working for transformational leaders defined as managers achieving the highest levels of performance often show up for work when they are sick and such uh, presenteeism can hit their health later. God, I don't know. People are definitely getting iller, aren't they? Definitely, don't you think so? I think people are getting iller. More and more people take time, pardon me, time off work now, don't they? They go, well, I don't feel very well today. I don't think I'll bother going into work. Whereas I, I hardly take any time off. If you notice, I managed to get through the coughing phase. That didn't last too long. That sort of, because somebody asked me yesterday, uh, Brian at the station at Twickenham said, uh, cough. I said, well, it's, as fast as it came, it seemed to go. So I was, I was quite pleased about that. And I didn't do anything. I've discovered, actually... You know, that if, if you sort of, if you have a cough and then you dose yourself up with all the things you're supposed to, it seems to prolong it. And so I didn't take anything. I just thought I had a little gargle with this stuff. I can't remember, it's Sanderson something. And you gargle with it. it. Tastes horrid. And that seemed to cure it. Seemed to work anyway. Steve, if I spent 10000 on a duvet, everybody would know about it. Actually, probably right, I'd be too embarrassed to tell people that I'd spent £10,000 on a duvet. Mainly because people would be writing and going, are you mad? Ten, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend that at all. I, cu- I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself. I can't even bring myself to spend a huge amount of money on shoes. My maximum spend on a pair of shoes used to be. I did have a couple of disasters, as you remember. Uh, seventy quid. I didn't think shoes were worth any more than seventy pounds. When I worked on the assumption they probably cost them about fifteen quid to make, seventy pounds seemed excessive until I bought two pairs of shoes at three hundred and fifty quid a pair, and, and they came from Russell and Bromley's. But they didn't. I didn't look at the price. I just assumed that, you know, in there, they might be 150. Pfft, think again. Of course, then, then you get to that embarrassing situation by the till, whereby you can't give them back, can you? You can't say, look, would you like to have them back? I can't afford them. Because I could afford them. It's just that I certainly wouldn't be buying anything there ever again. Not so good. Uh, Steve, my husband went to visit a customer, opened the back gate, and one of those dogs, is this the V. Marana, uh, charged him and took a junk out of his leg. It was very, uh, very unlucky. I think so too, actually. I'm always wary of dogs anyway. I, do, I mean, I do like dogs. I do like I like cats and dogs. In fact, actually, I like all animals. I can't bear cruelty to animals, but that's just, you know, me. Oh, Donny Osmond's touring. The soundtrack. Does this boy never stop working? 
and I want to know more about the pantomime coming home. It's Cinderella at the London Palladium from the 9th of December. Who's going to be in it? They're, they're looking for top dollar on this one. They're making the sets even as I sit here. And I'm thinking to myself, they're going to have to have some big names to, uh, to get this back in. How many stars for Funny Girl? Fanny Bryce? Uh, unfortunately, Sheridan Smith is not as good as Barbara Streisand, but there again, nobody was as good as Barbara Streisand. Uh, Sheridan's playing it uh, like a Gentile, as opposed to Barbara Streisand played it very Jewish, and that's why it worked. And uh, and also, plaudits as well for um, for everybody, actually. They, they like all of them. Darius Campbell they like as well. That was formerly Darius Dinesh, so everybody seems to be very happy with it. And there was lots of tears and uh, and laughter. So, another hit in the West End. Quarter past five. The new sound of weekends on LBC. There you go, and that's uh, this weekend. I'm back with you uh, tomorrow morning, of course. I'll kick it off at uh, five in the morning with the best of Steve Allen. Between six and seven, it's in conversation. We'll have a couple of clips uh, very, very shortly. Uh, So you know exactly who's going to be our special guest this weekend. And on Sunday morning, I'm live between... Five and seven. I have to try and remember what time it is, actually, between five and seven, with the Sunday papers. Somebody called Phil, who's an underachiever and a failed chess prodigy. So he starts with, uh, with a zero, says, uh, Why are you so bitter about seemingly everything? And he's written it in capital letters. Always a sign of some sort of illness between the ears. Must be a very lonely life. You're joking. Yes, you mustn't stop, you must stop, stop shouting, Phil, the producer says. He's, I think the lonely person would be you, isn't it, writing to somebody you don't know? Why would you want to write to me asking whether I'm having a lonely life? Absolutely fantastic. Laugh all the way to the bank, sunshine. Laugh all the way to the bank. At least I don't write on my page, underachiever and failed chess prodigy. And he looks at the stars. Oh, dear. Is that with one of those dodgy cigarettes in your mouth? Poor soul, honestly. I'm never bitter about anything at all. There's no bitterness. There's no bitterness. It's absolutely truth. Start to finish. Anyway, my friend uh, John Warrington, he says, no doubt you will be talking about the Queen's yesterday and Prince today. Many years ago... When I was only 30, he said. You know, John used to feature on the programme and he's got a a travel company as well. Uh, He used to work in Heaven, uh, the nightclub. He said, I got a call from Heaven where I worked. It was a Tuesday night. They'd had a call requesting to hire the entire club for an end-of-tour party for Prince. And I was asked to do the V-I-I-I-P bar. That's three I's. I went, of course, told it was Prince. He hired the entire club, all three floors, the disco, the second floor... Uh, Mother called the Star Bar, which was for the workers and their friends. The Dakota Bar was for him and the celebs. I worked the bar that night uh, alone. Everybody was there. Bob Geldof, his then-wife, Paulie Yates, George Michael and so on. But Prince spent the entire evening talking to me. In the end, he insisted I came to his side of the bar, which must have looked very odd. I was wearing white shorts and a singlet. I was very fit in those days, and young. Knee his trademark bright pink suit. We talked for three hours. He was indeed Prince Charming. Quiet, unassuming... Uh, very intelligent. I always remember him for his courteousness, especially when George Michael threw a semi-hissy fit uh, because there was cork in his red wine. Yes, I can imagine George Michael had lots of hissy fits. Uh, On a nicer note last night, I saw The Jungle Book on your recommendation. It was truly amazing. Very spectacular, quite scary. And yes, I did shed a tear behind my 3D glasses. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was so cleverly done. I really did. Really, really cleverly done. I just thought it was one of the uh, one of the best films I'd seen in ages. And I've still not watched the Star Wars film. I will get round to it, actually. Uh, Sleepy Joe from Feltham says, uh, Day off today, so no travelling into Waterloo at 6.30. I hate those plonkers with their pinging phone tones and leaking headphones. Go on, Steve, tell them off. I found somebody the other day with... Um, 
uh, with um, uh, feet up on the seat again. So I did another picture of them. Who are these dirty people? Dirty, dirty people. Uh, Steve, you just made me feel normal, says Maria. I'm over 40, sleep with the lights on. Now my children also can't sleep with the lights off. This issue kept bugging me, at least until I now know I'm not alone. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I've slept with the light on for years. My bulb must be the most longest... It's been on for the past ten years, this bulb. It hasn't hasn't broken or anything. So they obviously make them, and they make them very nicely. Uh, Steve, the Australian word for duvet is is a doodle, is it? Good Lord. They have different words for everything, actually, as we've, we've discovered over the uh, the weeks and the months. Different people have uh, have all these things. Uh, another one here. People talking about uh, how about sending a few thousand of those 10 grand duvets to Dubai. All the expat prat wannabes will buy them by the dozen. Actually, if you if you tell somebody it's so expensive, uh, then they will they will buy it because it means it's exclusive. It means that they're, uh, they actually have something that not everybody can afford. So that's why it makes it. And they will sell them. There will be people who will think that £10,000 on a duvet is absolutely nothing. You know, if, if you've got, you know, a few billion sitting in the bank, if you're like that, that mystery celebrity that we told you about yesterday, who's actually got more money in the bank than Adele. Adele's got, uh, I think it was, what did we say, 45 million. This person's got 92 million. And, uh, and really, you wouldn't know... I mean, you do know who this person is, because I mentioned it the other day. It's Enya, the Irish singer who does a ha, 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 ha. And then it's all multi-tracked. It's all very cleverly done. And, uh, I mean, she's had commercial success with Orinoco Flow and a few other things. And I just thought that was brilliant. I've never talked to her. I can't imagine what she's like to talk to him. She must be absolutely wonderful. Uh, what else we have? This may explain the confusion re Percy Sledge's passing. Uh, no, there's no confusion over it at all. He passed a year ago. There was no confusion. But Dawn says the newspaper showed a picture of the singer, but it's an American footballer, Rodney Sledge, who died in April. Yeah, I mean, it, this, the, he didn't. So, you know, you just have to, you have to go to the right part of, the, uh, of the, the web and then you'll find out the fact that he died a year ago and it was covered on LBC. I know because I did it. It's like, I was that person. I was that person. Uh, what else do we have? Yes, here she is. Here's the reclusive singer. This is Enya, the Irish woman, whose home really is a castle. It's a lovely car. I'd love to live in a castle. Especially, it's been freezing in the middle of winter. But uh, she can afford to sail away. She's been named the wealthiest woman in British and Irish music. £91 million, although that pales against Paul McCartney's £760 million, which was a huge amount of money. I don't begrudge people money at all. I'm, I'm, I'm really... I'm, I'm on the American side of it. Unlike certain people... And I suspect, you know, sort of probably trolls who sort of are very, very jealous of, uh, of anybody who's got more money than they have or nicer car or nicer house or things like that. I never understand jealousy. What's the point of it? It just makes you ill. Why would you want to be jealous about somebody? I, don't, I never quite understand. I told you that uh, uh, James O'Brien seems to get more than his fair share of Internet trolls. And as I say, he just he puts them into the sin bin. We've got a, a new system. You just click on them. And you go click, 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 and it goes there. And then, it, and then they disappear, and they don't know that nobody's reading them at all. They think people are still reading them. And so we, we like to have a little bit of, a, bit of fun with them. And so we just leave them there, and they carry on writing. They might as well be writing to the clouds or something like that, which, of course, they are in this particular case. And he said he, he thought about doing a book with them, putting them in there, so you can, you know, prove just how dumb these, these people are. As I say, we found one this morning. 
one this morning who thinks I'm bitter about it. I have no bitterness at all. I promise you, it's never been called bitterness. Perhaps it is where you come from if you're an underachiever, but never any bitterness. Oh, good Lord, no. No, I'm far too happy to be bitter about things. Ask anybody. They, they, they will tell you straight away. I never... Well, bitterness and love... God, no. Doesn't even fit into my vocabulary. Hilarious. So, Prince, end of the purple rain, but the rain never started for me. Uh, thanks a billion, ma'am, rhyming with jam, not mom. Okay, it's ma'am. This ghastly cake from this woman from the Bake Off, who seems to have changed her looks very, very quickly. She started power dressing now, but the cake looks decidedly lopsided. It really was the biggest pile of rubbish I've ever seen. That's the best we can actually manage in this country. Let's not bother doing it again, shall we? Uh, the gagging is going on. This, I mean, this person will be named eventually. It's just taking a bit of time now. I don't think the courts know what to do with it. I really don't think. I really don't think they know what to do with it. Uh, also, what else do we have in the papers today? It's a picture of... Who's that a picture of? That's uh, Pixie Lot. We don't mind Pixie Lot. Uh, Jeff Lynn's ELO. And uh, ELO were one of the groups that Punk set out to exterminate, the Electric Light Orchestra. But then, of course, Punk disappeared, didn't it? Punk disappeared, and uh, ELO still going. Uh, Liam Payne has insisted he isn't releasing a single. Thank the Lord for that. <laughs> and Union J are making a comeback. They're now a threesome, and they've gone to L.A. to salvage their career because George left, as you know. They reckon uh, if uh, Justin Bieber can do it, then they can. So they've started in the studio. Now, whether or not a threesome works, I've got no idea. I don't know. I mean, but uh, they, they went to... They went to the launch of something the other day. Do you remember we laughed yesterday that some people were so desperate they went to the launch of an ice cream and they were at the same launch? I mean, that was, that was you know, there was no, no sort of major stars there at all. They, they, they went to the launch of an ice cream and so they were sort of saying that they're going to move to L.A. and do it. Because it must be very difficult, and I've said this before, that, you know, you're in a group and, you know, pretty and then one person edges away from the group. And that's that's when it starts, you know, dissecting everything. And so George goes out to the jungle. He gets loads of coverage. He's now, I see him every morning in this building. Well, most mornings. He's working here. And, uh, and the other members of the group are sort of thinking, what do we do now? The trouble is, though, there's always be one person who gets the coverage in the group. In the case of One Direction, it was always Harry Styles. I thought it was a lot of smoke and mirrors. But, you know, Harry Styles got it. Now he's going to be an actor, apparently. Yeah, right. And uh, it'll be a bit like, you know, some of the other people, like Luke Goss. Luke Goss, you know, has gone into acting, but he's never made it huge. He's always just tootled around. But uh, you could probably ask a million people out on the streets when bros were absolutely enormous. And uh, and then one of them works in Vegas in a little room well away from the main celebrities. And uh, and Luke makes his uh, movie. And then they, then they fell out, didn't they? And they fell out and they didn't do anything. Uh, I did say earlier on that she's, uh, she's out again. She's telling lies. This will be uh, Jordan. This will be Jordan, and I'll tell you why she's telling lies very shortly. Because, again, it's, uh, she, she can't remember from one day to the next, as we all know when you've watched her on the television. She can only talk about herself, but uh, apparently she's got another reality show. But nobody will ever see it, because it's on a channel that I've never even heard of. So uh, no mainstream people are remotely interested. Sounds like a load of old pony, but we'll tell you about that later, because it's 5.30. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 27 minutes to six, it is. So let me just tell you uh, the Katie Price story. Poor old Katie Delusional, uh, the one who told you time and time again that uh, she's not going to put her kids on the television. And in fact, she waged war. 
with Peter Andre for putting the kids on his TV show. Because, to be honest with you, if they didn't put the kids on there, Peter Andre by himself is seriously the most boring person in the entire world. I mean, he is literally, it's just like, what does he do? He doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything. Mind you, Katie Price's show was abandoned because she didn't do anything either. Who's interested in some woman who can barely string two words together going to get her nails done? What's exciting about that? Peter Andre's just involved his management phoning up uh, the fan club and going, uh, Peter's going to be down by his coffee shop today. I'd just like to go down there. And then he'd turn up and go, oh, surprise, surprise, surprise. Because Peter Andre's uh, career had hit the skids years ago when he met Jordan. Anyway, you know, they were best suited to each other. But, in fact... Um, the panellist from Loose Women, and by God, I tell you, you realise what the word boring voice comes into it, doesn't it? She'll be doing exactly that in her reality telly comeback. Uh, Katie previously banned her ex from having their children on screen and decided in 2010 to withdraw them from the public eye. Which, of course, is a load of old baloney because Katie Price tells lies like there's no tomorrow. Because she put them on Loose Women. She actually put them up on the television again. I mean, either she's not the most intelligent or she really is so dumb it's almost gone off the scale. Uh, anyway, posting on Twitter at the time, she said, Junior and Princess won't be in any of my shows or any photo shoots again. But she's now made a massive U-turn because she's stuck them back on the television and she's putting them in the reality show as well. So, uh, Junior dished the dirt. I mean, I can't help feeling this is the dumbest thing they've ever done in their life. But there you go. That's their way. Uh, Katie Price's Pony Club will see the mum of five putting her kids centre stage as she helps them to tackle different... Forms of horse riding. Oh, God. It's got the word boring written over it already. The series, screened on the TLC channel, Katie's arch-rival Jodie Marsh regularly appears on. Katie revealed, this really is a dream come true. I know, we're quite surprised too, love. But don't worry, it'll be cancelled after one series. It brings together my biggest passions, my family, my friends and my animals. What friends? You fall out with more people than we've had at dinners. Expect a lot of pink... A lot of noise, much chaos, and a fair few feathers ruffled. And as uh, the Bizarre TV column says, sounds like a load of old pony. It is a load of old pony. She is the world's most boring person. She spends most of her time Googling herself. She doesn't do anything else. She doesn't actually have any particular talent. So just, just getting her legs astride a pony isn't really the most exciting thing I've ever seen in my life. And now she's exploiting the kids. I'm never going to put the kids on the television ever again. Lies, lies. And then there's Jordan. Anyway, this weekend, tomorrow, in fact, being Saturday, and I know we look forward to Saturday and we have a good start for the weekend for you, because I'm here between five and six with the best of Steve Allen. Oh, incidentally, uh, if you missed um, uh, which super glamorous town that Pizzi launched his perfume in this week, the best of Steve Allen from five tomorrow morning will help you on that one, because Pizzi's got new perfume. So excited, Pizzi. Pizzi on, on Andre had made some perfume in his bath, and he's decided to sell it to you. And which town did he, dis, you know, decide to launch it in? The Millionaire's Playground of? You'll have to find out tomorrow morning from five o'clock. Now, on In Conversation between six and seven, my first guest is an actor, a best-selling author, a director, and a screenwriter. He's the creative force that brought us the Academy Award-winning Gosford Park, as well as the hugely successful television series Downton Abbey. It is, of course, Lord Julian Fellows. He told me that the Christmas Day finale was the right time to end the story of the Crawley family. Five, six, seven series is the kind of rule of thumb. And you want to go out before 
people are sick of you. I mean, I'm sure some people were sick of us anyway, but but not you many. Know, <laughs> but at least we we kept the. I think our highest figure was the last series, yes. so we didn't have that falling off, which we didn't want. And also, you know, the young actors, they many of them totally unknown before the show. Now they're known from Bangkok to Nome, and they want to go out and find. That, are they stars? Do they yes. have big careers? Or, or was it all a television series that's now finished? You know, mm. it's all a big challenge. And they wanted to go out and, and see what's what. And, and I understand that. I mean, I, I agree with them. Good luck to them, say yeah. I. Well, there, there were you at the beginning of your career. You were a, a, a boy actor. Yeah, you were sure. doing the things. You wanted to do the same thing. And it's difficult now. You know, you can go through your whole career. And then all of a sudden there'll be one series. And that's what they're going to remember you for. You know, and yet I remember talking to Hugh Bonneville and saying, you know, he said, I get sick to death of people saying, oh, I love you in Downton. He said, forgetting I've been 16 years prior to that <laughs> working in the business. He said, but they only remember that one thing. It's funny, isn't it? Well, yes, but, you know, you have. I mean, I had a moment when I was only known for Gosford and that w- went on for a bit. Yeah. Uh, and then Mary Poppins rather shook that. And then young Victoria did very well. And yeah. then both the novels did i mean i've been incredibly lucky and no, now not. it's it's down to it's not luck it's, it, it can't be luck if, well, if you weren't any good you wouldn't have made it there this are plenty far. of people out there who are very good who never got their shot there are lots you think that comes down to that that little that little bit of luck yeah uh, i mean i think if you're absolutely hopeless then even the luck can't make it happen yeah. but it's not enough to just have some ability. You've got to have luck. And and people who deny that, you know, and people say, I think you make your own luck, you know, and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, you've just got to have the wind behind you every now and then and be in the right place at the right time. Always sound advice there. The Downton Abbey creator, Lord Julian Fellows, who's with me this weekend for In Conversation. So that's the first guest tomorrow from six o'clock. My second guest, Hollywood actor... And filmmaker. Over the years, he's appeared in a steady stream of high-grossing hits, including the Oceans trilogy, as well as his critically acclaimed role in Hotel Rwanda. He's now back on the big screen, producing and starring in a biopic of the jazz musician Miles Davis. My second guest on In Conversation this week is Don Cheadle, and he told me playing such a skilled musician required quite a bit of preparation. I started to play trumpet so that I would not be miming the trumpet. I wanted to know how to play, and so I learned those solos that are in the piece. No. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I'm playing trumpet in the movie. Uh, we're going to use Miles Davis' sound, obviously, not my sound, sure. but uh, I'm, yeah, I'm playing those solos. Wow. Yeah. I, I never got used to uh, trumpet, all of that kind of thing all the way through Absolutely. It. It's quite something to watch, quite something to watch. But the amount of people you speak to have lots of... You wouldn't have thought, you know, that Miles Davis would be as big as he is. I mean, universally, this this film is going to take him to another level. Let's hope. I, I, I think so. I think so. He died, what, back in 2000 and... No, no 91. 91 he yeah. died. Which, and he wasn't, wasn't that old, was he? No. He was born in 1926. He's 65. Yeah. Young, but they always say that the good die young. Absolutely. You've got another film out as well, haven't you? Uh, yeah, there is another film coming out. <laughs> Look, yeah, another one coming out. Be another one after that. Yeah, and the TV that. show comes out next <laughs> week. It's great. Well. Yeah. That's what I said before, and you go, oh, I think I'll take a holiday. I thought, I don't think you take holidays. Well, it's the timing of this is interesting because they weren't all, uh, you know, there, there was there was time between all of these, but everyone picked dates that were within four weeks of each other. So yeah. it just looks like I, I have nine jobs, you know, mm. uh, but they were spread out over the course of uh, a couple of years. 
They work him hard. Don Cheadle, star and director of Miles Away, the new biopic of the jazz star Miles Davis, is with me this weekend for In Conversation, along with the Downton creator, Lord Julian Fellows. And you can hear the show tomorrow morning from six, just after the best of Steve Allen, and it's then repeated at nine on Sunday evening. Plus, you can download the whole thing through the LBC podcast app for your mobile or tablet. And to learn more about that, go to lbc.co.uk. More great conversation. Good way to start breakfast. Then you get Andrew Castle bouncing in to the studio and uh, he'll bounce in on Sunday after we've taken a look at the Sunday papers. Can't wait to see what the Sunday papers are going to bring. Please, God, not another death. Please, God. It can't be any more. Although, actually, I nearly collapsed and died myself this morning when I walked in and discovered that my cupboard had been completely emptied. I nearly had a heart attack. I opened the cupboard to get one of my coffee bags out, and it was, and I was, it was like Narnia. I'd looked at it all of a sudden, and I said, I said, I don't know why. And if you sort of caught it on video, I, I look behind the door as if somebody's hidden it behind the door. So I sort of, I open the door... And then I, and I'm, where's it all gone? And I shut the door and I open it again. I thought, perhaps I thought it was all going to reappear, but it never did. And so I, I shut the door and then I look behind the door to think maybe it's on the floor somewhere. And it turned out actually to be opposite the boss's desk. So I've, I've had to, because it's, it's sort of like my life, that cupboard, which sounds a bit sad, really. If anything was going to be sad, that's my life in the cupboard. Because I've got all sorts of theatre posters in there, which have got my quotes on and stuff like that, and things that people have uh, bought me and everything else. And so I'm, I'm going into a minor panic, trying to think, where's this stuff gone? And the one thing that I did have, which was terribly, terribly exciting, is Bertram Mills, who used to run the circus. I've got his inkwell from his desk. I've got the inkwell. It was sent in to me, uh, which was lovely. And so I've got that. And so I was hunting around for these things. I mean, I have to put a note on there, go, please don't throw any of this away. Most of it's Steve Allen's life. Short though it might be. But I mean, when I opened the cupboard door, it seriously, it was like a magic trick. Open, nothing. Close, open, oh, still nothing. <laughs> it, was a, it was a very funny moment, I promise you. Very funny moment. One of these days, says Christine, I will actually make the spike. Uh, because she hasn't made it so far. And it's it's not easy, is it? It's not easy to try and make the spike at four. But lots of people manage it. So you just have to start going to bed early. I went to bed really, really early last night, knowing that today was Friday. And I've I've got a few little bits and pieces to do. I've got to go out and then go to see the godchildren tomorrow because I wasn't well enough last week. And then we've got the marathon on Sunday. So that's going to pose new, new problems for sort of getting in. But I'm sure we will manage that as well. Watching Paul O'Grady's Orphan Animals programme made us feel touched by the kindness and interaction between animals and good-natured human beings. If only the world was made up of people like Paul, it would be a better place to live. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, animal lovers are good. He, he genuinely loves it. When we spoke last time to Paul, he was going off to look at baby elephants. Do you remember where the keepers stay with them and sleep with them as well? They're sort of bringing them up. And, uh, and he, he loves stuff like that. His uh, place is just... It is like its own mini zoo. He's got animals wandering in and out all over the place, which is lovely. Uh, heading to Coventry for a flying experience, says Ian. Uh, brought by my Rosie for my birthday. Ever fancied that as a special day treat? No. He said, uh, love the way you've exposed the truth about celebrity. He said, or would you rather have Katie Price in for an in-conversation? I couldn't justify it. I'm sure the management would absolutely adore it. Steve Allen meets... Uh, meets Katie Price. <laughs> it was like Steve Allen meets Katie Hopkins, who incidentally is with us on a Sunday morning on LBC, just to really make sure your day goes with a bang. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. Uh, after Andrew Castle's breakfast show on Sunday, Katie Hopkins comes in and you can have a discussion with her or an argument. But uh, she seems to win every single time. She, uh, you know, even the, uh, even the people who don't like what she says are glued to the radio when she's on because you never know what she's going to come up with. So always entertaining. 
always uh, incisive. But I've, I've, I've taken, actually, recently to hearing a little bit more of James O'Brien. Normally I wouldn't hear very much of James O'Brien because of uh, I'd be having a little sleep and things like that. But uh, I've, I've caught him the last few days. He does enjoy good argument, doesn't he? I've discovered. But it was when he was tweeting about the, uh, the trolls and things like that and them not knowing that they'd been sent to the, to the sin bin made me smile. <laughs> made me laugh, actually, quite a bit. But it was the day before, which was, which was very, very funny. Very, very funny, which was uh, when he was arguing with somebody about zero hours contracts. <laughs> I thought it was absolutely wonderful. I thought it was absolutely wonderful. Uh, we're going to see the uh, the Rocky Horror in Richmond on the 7th of May. And uh, I'm just going to call in the Richmond Arms, says Martin. Not anymore. Not anymore. No, I mean, I, I quite agree with you. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I should imagine. I mean, what are we taking bets on? This is the Richmond Arms that's closing because they've gone into administration and because the landlord's not willing to extend the contract. He doesn't want them there. basically wants them out and they want to find somebody else. I don't know how people afford anything on the high street. Same in Twickenham. What they do is they, they price people out and, and then they bring in a coffee shop because they don't need to worry about it. They're not, they're not paying tax, are they? So the coffee shops come in, the, the big chains, they're very economical with what they do and it makes no difference whether they, they keep... Have you ever heard of a coffee chain going under? Ever heard of them closing coffee shops? No, me neither. <laughs> 84850, steve at It's quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, everybody. We have to keep correcting people. It's only if they're a bit sad and they don't know. But poor little uh, Matt, who thinks that um, that uh, Percy Sledge has died a year ago, dear. But never mind. Try and keep up. Do try and keep up. You know, can't help you if you're sort of terminally stupid. But, you know, at least try and keep up with the programme, for goodness sake. I'm recovering from emergency uh, service. Uh, emergency service? Surgery. Uh, had to have uh, a stomach, then a feeding peg. In oh, dear Lord above. I, I get no end of people who are in hospital listening to this programme. Kind of gets you through an operation, doesn't it, really? Tony tells me Enya's home is a castle overlooking Dublin Bay. It looks gorgeous. It really does. I've got no idea what it looks inside, but I should imagine it's fantastic. Two places I would like to... Well, actually, having now seen that, I would like to have a look inside there. And I want to have a look inside... Um, is it Friars Park, which was George Harrison's house in Henley? Well, it still is. The family lived there. But he's got the underground lake. Underneath the house, there is an underground lake. And there I would like to go. But I should imagine when you go to the house, and I don't know this, I'm only guessing, um, it's, it's probably very sparse inside. Because these people who own these big houses, I remember seeing, seeing one years and years ago that John Lennon had with Yoko Ono. And it just had, I think there was a white piano and a sofa in the room. I think they used it for a, for a video. But they don't seem to, to mention... You know, what, you know, people filling up. It's only recently people fill up houses with all this terribly expensive furniture. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I love Friday. I can't tell you how much I love Friday. I hope everybody enjoys Friday as much as I love Friday. Uh, so the Daily uh, Mirror today. They've got Prince on the front page. Found dead at the home studio. Uh, and they've got, I mean, he gets pages and pages. This is going to go on forever, this, isn't it? Every single day, they're going to find somebody who's died, and there's going to be tributes pouring in. Now, I wasn't a particular fan of, of Prince. I didn't know enough about his music. I only knew him through his Paisley Park uh, phase and Purple Rain and all the rest of it. And what was the Little Red Corvette? I think Little Red Corvette was his. And then there was another one. I can't remember what it, was, what it was to do with. But there was about three or four singles at the time, but I never thought anything of them. I was more into disco stuff. I wasn't quite into what he was doing at the time. Uh, who's going to be the last of the, uh, the royal layabouts? Uh, an alternative point of view. I quite like the idea that, um, that sort of Princess Margaret was the rebel in the family because she knew she was never going to be queen. 
so she went off and did her own thing. And even though people criticised her and she behaved very badly and, and she drank and all the rest of it. It's, like, it, it was, it's so funny. You've you got, you got Princess Margaret who nobody really cared about. They just assumed that she was a good-time girl, went out there and had people round and drank and kicked off her shoes and did all that kind of stuff and behaved badly. But nobody ever... The Queen would never criticise anybody. It's like nobody was ever going to tell the Queen Mother, stop spending money, because she was the Queen Mother. And so when she died, she owed, she owed money. She owed money to the bank. But, of course, you're not going to send her rude letters, are you, going, if you don't pay, we're coming round with the bailiffs. You know, because she was superseded by the Queen, who paid all of her, her debts. But I'm of the opinion that the Queen Mother only lived as long as she did because there was no central heating in Clarence House. It was only after she died they put heating in. So up until then, she was probably preserved and doing quite nicely so. A little bit of a gin and tonic. She had um, one of those racing lines in. It's like, um, it's like a, a feed that comes in. And so she got all the racing news coming into the house because the, the whole family enjoy a little bit of racing. I still can't quite get my head around, and I'm sure somebody will explain it later on today, that uh, this is the mum's story of her son's gender journey. He's four, uh, and he wears a dress to school. He wanted to be like all the other girls. I mean, is it actually possible? They've got two opposing points of view. Should a boy be allowed to wear girls' clothing? Uh, somebody says yes, who's a clinical psychologist. And then another clinical psychologist says no. So they can't even agree in the clinical psychology department whether or not a little boy should be allowed to grow his hair and tie it up in a ribbon and put a skirt on. And she says, uh, she says I could tell that he was unhappy in the same clothes as Alfie, who's his sort of twin, sort of. And so... He dresses as a girl, and he seems quite happy. But it's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, does that, does that change somebody's sexuality? I, I don't know at the age of four. I really don't. If the clinical psychologists can't agree about it, what hope for the rest of us? Absolutely no hope whatsoever. Volkswagen, the Volkswagen are going to buy back dodgy cars. This is after the emissions scandal. They've done a deal, and now owners in the UK will be annoyed and feeling a bit frustrated by the deal. They stick this thing in the exhaust, and they, they, were, making, they were making a little bit of a, of a fib about their emissions. So they've offered to buy back the cars in America, but they're not doing anything in the UK because they can get away with murder. Get away with absolute murder over here. You, know, you have to take out a completely new separate uh, court case, I think, to actually get them to do something over here because they're not going to do something unless they're being forced into it. In America, it's obviously a huge market and they have a, they have a lot of buying power. Uh, Daniel Bedingfield has been on stage in uh, War of the Worlds, but uh, he's finished now. He had difficulties backstage and suddenly parted ways with the company in the early stage of the run. It's a shame, isn't it, really? It's a shame. I don't know enough about him. I don't know enough about him. I know sort of little bits and pieces. And uh, Liam Payne's first solo single has leaked online. Surprisingly, it's hip-hop. As I say, I don't think there's any, there's any career for any of the One Direction boys at all. I realise that, uh, that one of them is in the charts already, but you don't need to sell that many records to get into the charts. And will he do it on the second album? That's, that's the trick, isn't it? You can do it on the first one. Can you do it on the second? Oh, I love a tunnel. I love a tunnel. And we found one here. This is in uh, Mexico. It's the longest tunnel ever dug uh, by a cartel from Mexico to America. Eight tons of marijuana were found hidden in this tunnel. Uh, we've had this before. There was so much money. I think there was marijuana as well. This passage was 2,600 foot long and it was being linked to El Chapo's gang. He was the man who disappeared down the shower. Do you remember? One minute he was there, the next minute they dug a hole underneath it and he managed to get out. They, they, they recaptured him again. She wasn't very, very thrilled about it. There's so much money in drugs nowadays. So much money. You see people in this country, they say, oh, we've just found, you know, £30 million worth of drugs being brought in. Because people obviously can. 
Let's face it, if you can scale Nelson's column and you can get uh, gas masks on numerous statues and nobody does a thing, you can certainly bring drugs into the country. Uh, we are now gangsters. This is the, uh, the British gang who smuggled in the biggest cache of automatic weapons facing long jail spells. The crime boss, Harry Schilling, bragged, we are now officially gangsters. No, you're now officially targeted as really stupid because you're going to prison and you'll be going for a long, long time. But never mind, I'm sure you'll enjoy prison food. It's probably obviously absolutely delicious. Uh, also, the paralysed marathon mum in the Fun Run Ban. Try and get your teeth around that one at this time of the morning. The paralysed marathon mum in the Fun Run Ban. And this is a lady called Claire Lomas, who completed the 42-kilometre race in 17 days uh, with a rewalk robotic frame. But Vitality London 1000 has denied her a spot in its 10-kilometre run next month as motorised aids are banned because she can't walk without this motorised aid. I didn't know there was a ban on motorised aids. Because I did. Did you realise? You probably don't realise, but I only realised this some years ago, that not everybody in the, in the wheelchair section of these marathons is disabled. You don't have to be disabled to have a wheelchair. You can be fully abled and yet operate in a wheelchair because that happened some years ago. I remember thinking, well, that's a bit odd. I assumed everybody in a wheelchair in these races was disabled. Not so. Uh, Claire says, I have to work hard for every step. The trouble is, I mean, she could be going for ages, couldn't she? If she's going to start off in the rain or whatever it happens to be. It took her 17 days to do the last one. Admittedly, it was 42 kilometres and uh, it's supposed to be a run. But, of course, she's not running. She's moving fairly slowly. She says, I couldn't see how the suit would give me an unfair advantage. Well, you're never going to win it, dear, are you? Let's face it, you're never going to win the thing. But um, the mum of one, who comes from uh, Leicestershire, did the marathon in 2012, five years after falling from a horse. She plans to walk the 10-kilometre route anyway for spinal injuries charities and has so far raised about two grand. But the event director... Hugh Brasher said the Vitality London 1000 is run under IAAF British Athletics and IPC rules, which prohibit the use of motors. Whilst we understand it's a disappointment for Claire, we're delighted her fundraising is going so well. In other words, we're very delighted for you, but you're not coming in our race. Simple as that. Simple as that. Uh, what else do we have in the papers? They've got um, depressed and suicidal at the age of nine. Nine-year-olds actually get suicidal nowadays. I mean, you can't believe it, can you? What on earth could a nine-year-old have to be suicidal about unless it was bullying at school? That's about the only thing I could think of. But apparently now there are case studies showing that, uh, that children are depressed and suicidal at the age of nine and the proofs that the NHS is still failing the kids. And that is a dreadful scandal. And the reason is kids don't talk to their parents now. There are so many latchkey kids out there. And the problem is uh, is only going to get worse, as we've now agreed. We're going to take in how many Syrian refugee children? Something like 3,000. To, to go where? To go where? I couldn't quite work out where these kids were going to go and who was going to be looking after them. That was the only... That was, that, that was the worry that I had. I didn't quite sort of work... Go, I mean, it sounds very laudable, doesn't it? We're going to take in 3,000 refugees, children. So they're... But, well, where are they going to go? Are they going to go into homes? And they're going to have to have staff to look after them. 3,000 of them. Phew, blimey. Uh, Alan from, uh, from Clay Hall. Tire blowout. He said, I'm going to cause problems on the M25 at South Mims. Presently on the hard shoulder. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. A blowout. Do you know, I've touch wood. Touch wood somewhere. I've never had a tire blowout. It always frightens the life out of me. You know, you're whizzing down the motorway at, uh, you know, 60, 70 miles an hour. And you get a tire blowout. Phew, blimey. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, Dave says we're going to lose our doorstep deliveries in September 
after 120 years of being there. Apparently one dairy in Walthamstow is going to close for redevelopment flats again. The last dairy in East London. God, blimey. It's getting worse and worse, isn't it? Worse and worse. And uh, somebody else says Guy Hamilton, who directed four James Bond films. I thought it was three. I thought it was three James Bond films. Died at 93. And um, uh, next Friday, another royal event. The five-year wedding anniversary for William and Kate, says Robert. I mean, do we really care? Does it really, does it really matter anymore? I think we've actually seen down quite... I've seen quite enough of, uh, of sort of the royal family and what with the Queen doing her thing. All I needed was Prince Andrew's daughters to turn up to just completely ruin my evening. Lost so many bars in Richmond, says uh, Bob. Uh, the Richmond Arms, the Imperial over the year. Yeah, they just sort of went, didn't they? They just sort of... It was kind of a, a, a statement of the times, I think. It was a statement of the times. I know it's all different now. And now with the uh, the last bar closing down there, the Richmond Arms, a lot of people are very disappointed. But uh, perhaps somebody will think of opening another one up. Perhaps in Chiswick. They don't seem to have any gay bars in Chiswick. Perhaps they can get some there. Coming up to the news at six o'clock. It's Friday. It's the 22nd of April. Prince Charles used that old mummy line, you know, Her Majesty, Mummy. And everybody laughed, which we did first time round. Uh, Victoria's hell was so secret, not even her brother was told, but she told close family. So it makes me think that she, there must have been a reason why she didn't want to tell him. The breakthrough in the fight to cure diabetes. The reclusive singer, worth more than Adele. And she has got a castle, which sounds lovely. Uh, what does your television say about you? Diana Dawes' son, the wine theft at Waitrose, and the very bizarre claims. Could animals raise a human child? Yes, if you've seen the Jeremy Kyle show. And uh, the John Lewis, £10,000 duvet. All of that and more are the side of the news, which is next. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday, the 22nd of April. Apparently this weekend, and I haven't had it confirmed just yet, but I know there's rumours that the snow's going to come. I can't. I mean, I suppose we have had snow this late before, but it's the marathon. 36,000 people will pound the pavements for charity, and there'll be people dressed up in novelty suits, and we'll all sit and watch it and and think, oh, if only I had the strength to do that, but I haven't. Uh, Victoria Wood should be made a dame, say a load of people, but it doesn't really mean anything after you've died. It should have been given to her while she was alive. Naomi Campbell proved just really how dim she really was. She had no idea who Michael McIntyre was, thought he was a member of Gogglebox. Uh, 186 assaults on NH staff every day, and the last of the PG tips chimps has died. Which is a shame. Uh, lots of tributes in the paper to the Queen for getting to 90 the other day and showing no sign of slowing down. I mean, seriously, I mean, you'd never know she was 90. Prince Charles, you know, did his, you know, Your Majesty, Mummy. And uh, we all laughed, went, Ooh, you know. But uh, I should imagine he probably does call her uh, the Queen. In fact, we know Prince Andrew called her the Queen, didn't refer to her as Mummy at all when we had the fire at, at Windsor Castle. What your television says about you. Uh, Prince, dead at 57. You begin to wonder, don't you, every time you go to bed at night and you wake up in the morning, who you're going to be hearing on LBC has passed away during the night. It's always the most unlikely people. We weren't expecting Victoria Wood to die. We really weren't. We weren't expecting Prince to die. And you start thinking, all the people that we did think were going to pass on, you know, when you hear of somebody of a certain age, you think, oh, dear, I wonder how... Are they OK? And then it's somebody completely out of the blue. So I've got a prediction that over this weekend we're going to lose somebody else. We really are. I just... Uh, I don't, there's nothing we can do about it at the moment. Uh, Blue's in Texas, so uh, we like to have listeners from overseas to this programme. And Ian says, I had a blowout. Uh, last year, travelling at 20 miles an hour in Leicester, the lucky thing about it, I was supposed to be going to London on the M1. 
and was changed at the last minute. Must have been my lucky day. Fright the life out of me. Fright the life out of me. I've never had uh, anything like that happen to me. I don't think I have, no. I did have a, a rather nasty experience. I was a little bit naive. The tyres on my car are fairly big. As anybody who's got 4x4s will tell you, they're fairly big, hefty tyres. And I did have a puncture as I was going into Teddington. And I thought, oh, Lord, because I had a jack in the car. For some reason, I was not a member of the AA or the RAC, which I've learnt through bitter experience and Green Flag and all the other places, is an absolute necessity if you don't want to change a tyre in the wet. Seriously, it's, it's absolutely ideal. It was worth every penny. So I'm a member of, uh, I forget which one it is, but anyway, they're, they're useful for flat tyres, not for anything else. Although I have had the car towed back. And I, I got a flat tyre as I was going into Teddington. And it was on a Sunday morning and I thought, oh, what am I going to do? And I remember that there was a car accessory shop round the corner. So I went round there and I bought Tire Weld. Because years and years ago, when I had a little Mini, uh, I used Tire Weld. I used to carry it in the car. And what it is, it, if you get um, a flat tyre, you connect this thing up and it squirts foam into the tyre and it fills the tyre up and inflates it enough for you to get to the garage. And I thought, well, I'll go and get some Tire Weld. But being bigger than usual tyres, it would take a bit more. So I bought three cans of Tire Weld, went back there, connected them up, and it was lovely. It seemed to uh, seemed to fill the tyre up enough for me to get to a garage. So I get back in the car, feeling fairly pleased with myself. I go literally two feet, there's a bang, and the tyre exploded <laughs> and completely obliterated a bus shelter with all this white foam everywhere. It was the most disastrous day I've ever had. So then I had to go and join the RAC, and it was well worth every penny as far as I was concerned. Terrible. 84850, oh, steve at uh, Somebody's in Atlanta and says, uh, I'm listening to you, making my life happy. There you go. Well, makes your life happy. That's good, isn't it? Uh, sad news. The last of the PG tips, chimps, has died. Uh, I should imagine they were... I think this one was 46, which is fairly uh, fairly old, I think. Um, Jordan's gone back on her promises, but there again, you know, she tells lies and then she tries to justify it. I'm never putting the kids on television. Don't want Peter Andre to put them on television. He used them in every one of his programmes, because otherwise it would have been really boring and really dull. And so she's putting them on in her programme as well. But there again, she did put them on Loose Women. A little bit of an embarrassment all round. I just hope in years to come this is not going to come back and bite her on the proverbial, but I have a horrible feeling it might do. Uh, a lot of people talking about this, uh, this little boy whose mother thinks that he's transgender. Now, I don't know. I'm not aware. Having, having read what the clinical psychologists said, it does seem to me that they can't decide on this one at all. One saying, no, it's not right that he should be dressed as a, a little girl. And the other one saying, yes, it's absolutely right he should be dressed as a little girl. So uh, where are we coming from on that one? Goodness only knows. Lots of pictures of royals taken from their um, private uh, files, their private films. Everybody liked that, and it was all good. But the bizarre story of the day is that legend who was Diana Dawes. Uh, Diana Dawes was a... Uh, she was lovely. She uh, she appeared in so many films. Uh, she was uh, big, blonde and buxom. She uh, ended her days being an agony aunt on the television. She put on a lot of weight, but uh, she was there giving out uh, agony advice on the television. And she was very good. She used to have a white Rolls Royce. Uh, she lost all her money. She was married to Alan Lake. And they had a, they had a son, Jason. Uh, when Diana Dawes died, Alan Lake was looking after Jason, but then he got uh, so depressed that he took his own life. He committed suicide in the bedroom of the house which they had, which I think was out in Buckinghamshire. Anyway, uh, Jason then went to go and live with his 
half-brother, I think it was, over in America, a situation which I don't think he really took to. But uh, anyway, I mean, you know, when he was growing up, he wanted for nothing. It was uh, She was fated by the press. They all loved her. But anyway, uh, the decadent lifestyle took its toll on Jason Dawes-Lake. Yesterday, he was cutting a, a pitiful figure, really, as he admitted shoplifting two bottles of wine worth £19 from Waitrose after a row with his former fiancée. Their romance began bizarrely two years ago after Chloe Black sought him out and made unfounded allegations that she'd been sexually abused as a girl by his mother and Miss Dawes' third husband, Alan Lake. Well, despite the claims, uh, Dawes Lake, who says he smoked cannabis when he was nine and has battled alcoholism, began a relationship with her, but he was left feeling suicidal when an argument led to them splitting up. He reacted by stealing the wine from Waitrose in Notting Hill Gate because he needed a drink. And, uh, you know, his, uh, his late mother... Diana dubbed herself the finest sex symbol Britain has produced since Lady Godiva, starred in, you know, 70 mostly low-budget films and more than 30 TV shows. She died from ovarian cancer. She was only 52. But he did say, Jason... I remember interviewing him about the book, and uh, I was incredibly touched. Incredibly touched. He would have been, I suppose, in those days, about 14... I think. But he says, uh, I was exposed to drink and drugs from a young age. I was smoking pot when I was nine. But in court, he said of the wine theft, the whole incident was brought about by an argument with his fiancée. That relationship has now ended. He felt suicidal. It's very sad, really, isn't it? He admitted, uh, admitted the, the theft. He was fined 40 quid, £85 prosecution costs and a £20 victim surcharge. Hopefully he won't be breaking the law again. It's awful, really, because I think it's really, it's for her memory that you have to do it. You do it for her. She wouldn't be at all pleased, and he, he knows that. But if he grew up in this bizarre household, and it must have been, compared to most of us, it would have been a pretty bizarre household. Uh, talking of bizarre, Britain's biggest ever gun haul. Here they are, uh, on the River Medway, near Cuxton, in Kent, holding guns that they've just smuggled in from Slovakia. Uh, £250,000 worth of guns. But, of course, the police were watching them all the time. They've got all the photographs. They've got just about everything. And so here they are, Harry Schilling, Ace Buffoon, and uh, the Europe link was somebody called Michael Dufresne. And they've got a picture of all these guns. They thought they were going to make a load of money out of it, but uh, they haven't. They've just ended up losing their boat, which they bought for about £24,000, I think, the year before. And they're going to be spending time now uh, in prison. So it's, you know... (laughs) They, they lose every which way but. I never quite understand why people turn to a life of crime. Even if you shoplift wine in Waitrose, they do prosecute. You would think they wouldn't prosecute, but they do. But they do. Uh, regarding punctures, you can buy a spray on eBay called something which seals a hole that appears in the tyre. Yeah, I don't, see, I don't think that uh, that would actually work for uh, for tyres my size. If you're, if you're holding a two and a half ton car up i don't think just spraying something on is going to be uh, going to be much uh, much use uh, another one here and uh somebody talking about barack obama and uh, where he's going to be staying in london he's going to be i think he's got a dinner this evening hasn't he or a lunch or something he's he's got to put up with the uh, with um uh, william and his wife i think and probably harry as well who turns up like the proverbial bad penny they've got to fix him up with a girlfriend haven't they soon uh, Ken in Chingford, no, too stupid for words. Uh, and another one here, very, very quickly, which says, listen to the programme every morning and now love Saturday morning because at least we get the best of and we get the in-conversation as well, which is great. Uh, a lot of the papers being very lazy with Victoria Wood and today Libby Purvis has actually printed up. It takes up literally 
uh, a quarter of a page serving up the uh, the hostess trolley gags and let's do it, beat me on the bottom with a woman's weekly, that kind of thing. And they say it's the most... It's called Let's Do It. But they've just reprinted the... For what reason? I've got no idea. Shoddy journalism, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, plus, how we gender stereotype babies. Uh, the key to a longer life. What do you think it is? Something so simple, you'll kick yourself. The key to a longer life is get a dog. Walking the dog gives you a longer life. And I have to be honest, I spoke to a friend of mine the other day who's just got a dog and said, you know, you meet more people if you've got a dog than at anywhere else. You don't have to join a dating agency. If you've got a dog, people talk to you. People talk to you with a dog. Seriously. My friend Jackie. Jackie goes walking in Regent's Park and people talk to her. People know the dog. People know the dog's names. People talk to them. So you want to live longer and make lots of new friends, get a dog. It doesn't quite work the same for a cat. You don't really walk a cat. Although I was led to believe that Siamese cats can be walked. But no, a dog is the thing to get. Get one of those nice ones that I like. It's uh, 6.15 with the latest headlines for you. This Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, everybody. Uh, 6.20 is the time. Pete wants to know about the boy dressed as a girl. What we call girls' clothes vary. Uh, most girls wear trousers or jeans. No, he's wearing a skirt. OK, he's wearing a skirt because his mother's been dressing him as a girl uh, for quite a while because since he was 80 months old, he's thought he was a girl. And so she dresses him as a girl and now he goes to school as a girl. Simple as that. Uh, 84850, Katie Hopkins will be uh, doing the papers with Nick Ferrari this morning. Um, I think she wants Obama to go home, and I'm sure she'll be saying that uh, to everybody. And Claire wants to know, 2016, the year of the celebrity Grim Reaper, how many more? Well, like every other year, it's just that we seem to have had a spate in the first few months of this year. So uh, so that's that's why it is. Uh, underneath the back of your car, says Tom, there's a thing called a spare wheel. Change it. Oh, heavens above, don't be so common. Don't change spare tyre. What do you mean a tyre? What, change it? What, me? You must be mad. I've never heard of such a thing. Never heard of anything like that. I don't change sp- spare tyres. <laughs> Sorry, I was just just doing doing one of my. What was that program they did on the television where you had to mime the answer to something? Is it charades? Is that charades? Is what they do, and they used to do it. And I'm sure I can't remember who used to do the thing now. Can't remember. Did it Danny Baker used to do it? And people would sit on the ground, which also was a bit of a difficulty. I tried sitting on the ground once here when we had one of our meetings, and and I got down there and I, I got such such a tizzy and such a state over it because I I found myself locked in. And sitting down was not the most comfortable thing to do at, uh, at all. So I sort of, uh, I, I don't do sitting down. But they used to do this charade. Somebody would sort of draw a little picture and then have to try and guess what it was. Which I thought was quite funny, actually. Still can't get over Tom in Basingstoke. Mind you, I suppose that's Basingstoke, isn't it? Uh, Ian says, I had a blowout the other night. Never eaten four Big Macs again. Though I used to have a, a friend of mine who had a competition to see how many Big Macs he could eat. And I remember thinking, in fact, it makes me feel a bit bloated even thinking about things like that. Spare wheel. Ridiculous. I don't change the spare wheel. Actually, you'd have to, uh, it is, it's not underneath the back of the car, it's in the boot. It's actually in the boot. It does, it, you have to open up the boot to, uh, to get it out again. But of course, there, therein lies the problem, I'm afraid. Jan Moyer, writing in the Mail today, talks about Prince William. And he's got to work much harder to win the love. Because at the moment, he's not working very hard at all. And, you know, just going on holiday and uh, waving and posing with a bow and arrow is not called hard work. You know, what the Queen does at the age of 90 
she's out there, she's sort of doing it, but they're obviously trying to spread the load, and so they're sort of shoving out uh, William and Harry, but you get them as a threesome, don't you? Lord, the second time in a week we've had a threesome. But uh, they're out there sort of sort of raising the flag for the family. But we did say the other week, and I've heard discussions at LBC, that really after, after the Queen passes on, and please God it's not for years and years and years, um, we think the royal family might actually sort of dumb down a little bit. We think it, it might sort of it might sort of be sort of passed over. Happy birthday, Jack Nicholson! Today is seventy nine. Seventy nine. You'd never guess it, would you? And uh, George Cole was born on this day. He died in twenty fifteen. So that was uh, that was the other. God, it's been a dreadful time, hasn't it? It really has, actually. Really, really bad. Really bad for sort of people that we don't want to uh, to go. Steve, I remember as a kid, Diana Dawes in a Yorkshire television series called Queenie's Castle. Yes, it's uh, it's out on DVD. I have it. I have it. I mean, I think she could have been an EastEnders had she lived on. Uh, well, she had to have lived on for quite some time to get to that. She died at fifty-two. And EastEnders came along uh, some years later. But you're right, she could have she could have featured in EastEnders. I'd have seen her in there quite happily. But she'd, she'd ballooned, but it didn't stop her working. The, pu- the uh, pub, the, the bank were very generous to her. They allowed her to carry on working and to keep the house because she, she had no money. She had no money at all. I think by the time she died, there was only the house and that went to pay off the, uh, the bills. Uh, Steve, I laughed at your episode, episode, says Sonia of the tyre weld and the bus stop. I tried to use it once and I just ended up by the curb trying to stop it going all over the wheel and me. I couldn't stop it. I know. It, I mean, it, to, to be honest with you, at the time, I was having a very stressful kind of a day. It was a very stressful day. And I'm thinking, because, you know, the, the worst thing about my car is if it gets a flat tyre, it lurches to one side. It literally, it drops. You can see it quite, quite, uh, quite clearly. So never again, as they say, never, ever again. But I tell you what, we find the most amazing things, um, you know, out in, out in the roads. There's nails and screws and everything else. Uh, somebody says your car will have dry flat tyres. No, it doesn't. No. And Andrew says, Steve Allen changing a tyre. Outrageous. Do these people know who you are, Steve? Quite clearly not. That's the, that's the whole point of joining one of the motoring organisations. They change tyres. That's what the main thing is that people call them out for. They change tyres. Never heard of such a thing. Changing your own tyre. You'll be telling me next you run your own bath in Basingstoke. Quite ridiculous. I don't do things like that. Um, the voracious appetite of a, of a furry cannibal. And, and this is a black swan, which was on a moat. And uh, they, they had names, Roland and Sylvia. But um, one of them was eaten, Roland, and they reckon at, uh, at uh, this Markenfeld Hall, eaten by an otter. They think an otter might have attacked it from underneath, uh, because some species eat 25% of their body weight a day, which is the equivalent of every child eating 60 burgers. Experts believe they also turn to cannibalism, that's not particularly uh, common. An endangered golden lion tamarind monkey was eaten by otters at Bristol Zoo after it escaped and fell into a pond. Crikey. And a river otter was photographed in Florida catching and eating a young alligator alive. That's taking on some something, isn't it, really? An alligator? Good heavens above. Front pages of the uh, the papers for this morning. I'm just trying to look through, actually, of some of the stories that we came up with at the beginning of the programme, which is going to be talked about today. Uh, the breakthrough in the fight to cure diabetes is a, always a good story, which keeps people talking. Uh, the sex romp star waiting to hear the fate over the cork gag. I think that could be a few more weeks. I think eventually we're just going to know about it, by which time we'll have lost the will to live. What does your television say about you? Apparently, bigger the better. 65 inches. On the, I don't know anybody who's got a 65-inch television. 
I really, I mean, that sounds the size of a, of, sounds of, of a small cinema, doesn't it, really? Uh, Prince dead at 57. The big question on everybody's lips is, who next? And the answer is, we have no idea. Uh, the twin brother brought up as a sister. Uh, could having long legs increase your risk of getting colon cancer? I don't know if it's not that. It's, like, you know, is drinking tea, you know, going to make you more prone to getting cancer? You know, you want to, want to live to a long life, get a dog. Well, you know, lots of these people had dogs, but it didn't seem to, to work for them at all. Naomi Campbell, who didn't know who Michael McIntyre was, he should have actually said to her, I'm sorry, who are you? What, what's your name? Naomi, what do you do? And just, just do it that way. Uh, Victoria Wood should be made a dame, say a few of her friends, but a little bit late now. They're either going to do it while she's alive or they're not going to bother to do it at all. It's no good doing it afterwards. It's just, uh, it's just an embarrassment, really, isn't it? It looks like uh, she was an oversight. Uh, Shane uh, reckons that Dinah Dawes was brilliant, and I agree, in The Amazing Mr Blunden, which if you haven't seen the film, you must get, because it's a super film. Mr Blunden, but which one? Oh, it's lovely. I love that film. I love it. I might even go home and watch that today, actually, in between watching Star Wars and everything else. Because being Friday, I think you can let yourself go. I think you can let yourself go and have a, and have a bit of fun because it's the weekend. If the weather's going to be as dreadful as we think it is, we might as well do something to amuse ourselves. Uh, lots of people really looking forward to hearing uh, Katie Hopkins this morning, because not only is she with Nick Ferrari for the papers, somebody's on a death wish, uh, but she's also here on Sunday morning. So, Sunday morning, you get me with the papers between five and seven. Then I shall scootle home, put on my shorts, and then go running in the marathon. Not. And then you get Andrew Castle. Then you get Katie Hopkins. It kind of sets you up for the day. You'll either finish the day in a very, very bad mood or in a very, very good mood, depending on how much of what she says on Sunday you're going to agree with. Uh, Steve, um, I'm with you on the tyre changing. I imagine the tyre would be far too heavy for you to lift out of the boots since you became a freedom pass holder. Well, I just wouldn't do it anyway. What's the point of taking the bread? Uh, out of somebody else's mouth. As far as I'm concerned, that's what the uh, the AA and the RAC and Green Flag and all the other places are there for. They're there to do a job. And if, if we start learning how to do things, it's like, I don't do servicing on my car because that would take away a job from the garage where I go to. So, I'm, you know, I'm like that. I'm, I'm thinking ahead. I'm thinking out of the box. And, and I'm deciding that I don't want to do that. I don't want to learn how to change a tyre. Why would I want to do that? That's other people to do. Other people change tyres. And, uh, and we pay them for it. And that's, that's, you know, it's worth it. So, Sunday morning. Saturday morning. Sunday morning papers. But um, on uh, Saturday morning tomorrow, in conversation. And it's Don Cheadle and Julian Fellows. Lord Julian Fellows, uh, who are going to be my special guests this week. And that's tomorrow between 6 and 7. So, if you wake up early... In the morning, you can get the best of Steve Allen. It's been quite a good week, actually, this week. That's been a very good week. And then you get the in-conversation. And then on Sunday morning, between 5 and 7, I trawl through the Sunday papers and we see, we see who, who we can pick on out of the Sunday papers. Uh, Tom says, Steve, here in Basingstoke, we're country folk. I've been to Basingstoke. Oh, dear. Dear bombs come rain on Basingstoke. Oh, no, that was slough, but it's roughly the same, isn't it? Just like a concrete jungle, Basingstoke. It's just, it's just roundabouts and another soulless building. You're not country folk at all. You're not in the country. You're nothing to do with the country, OK? Stop trying to latch yourself onto people who are more successful. You're Basingstoke. Basingstoke, it's sad, sad. Then you get to Basingstoke, and by that time, you've lost the will to live. Anyway, that's it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Uh, we have a free podcast up for you in about 15 minutes, provided to get my skates on. And uh, I've got to put notes on all my boxes outside with my little treasures on, just to make sure they don't get rid of anything. I should be mortified if I come in and it's all vanished. Seriously, that, that, would, that would just about push me over the edge, I think. So I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Best of... 
between five and six, and then in conversation between six and seven. If you go to the LBC website, you can download the free app for your mobile or tablet. And even if you're going abroad, you can hear LBC. Leading Britain's conversation at seven, it's Nick Ferrari at breakfast. And uh, Katie Hopkins with the papers. Next, though, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen. 